With the Lady Jessica and Arrakis, the Bene Gesserit system of sowing implant legends through the Missionaria Protectiva came to its full fruition. The wisdom of seeding the known universe with a prophecy pattern for the protection of Bene Gesserit personnel has long been appreciated, but never have we seen a condition at extremis with more ideal mating of person and preparation. The prophetic legends had taken on Arrakis even to the extent of adopted labels, including Reverend Mother, Canto and Respondu, and most of the Sharia Panoplia Propheticus. And it is generally accepted now that the Lady Jessica's latent abilities were grossly underestimated. From Analysis, The Arakeen Crisis, by the Princess Irulan. Private Circulation, Bene Gesserit File Number, AR 8108857 Welcome to Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. Each week we're going to dive into a new bottle of wine and new chapter of Dune. Have a bit of a buzzed book club here. Yeah, and it's been going pretty good so yeah, far. Yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, what kind of wine do we have this week, Mike? Uh, this one we actually picked out especially for this episode. It's by Mein Klang. Or I think that's how you pronounce it. Mein Klang? Mein Klang? Probably oh, yeah. Mein Klang. Uh, intentionally went for a language neither of us can pronounce. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, I think I could sort of like BS my way through it. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, name of it is Bergenlandred 2018. It's an Austrian wine, or I think it's a red blend. Yeah. Yeah, red blend. Red blend. Um, yeah, cool little story. We literally picked it because there's a picture of a cow on the front of it. Mm, well, specifically, there's a bull on the front of well, it. Is that a bull? I think it's just a cow. No, no, we did. T- it had the horns. Uh, oh, it was the same as that other bottle. Uh, and that's gonna come into this chapter a little bit. Uh, we're gonna see that bull we talked about last I, week. I, I thought that was just a throwaway story. Just I didn't think it was very important. Uh, no, I think the timing of it worked out great. Uh, wow. Was it not better pulling out that bullhead and knowing his story? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. where he came from. Uh, but. I guess we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit here. Oh. Uh, just that we uh, we finally got on the planet, Mike. That's true. We're so, here. We're on Doom. Yeah. Before we even go inside, let's just take a second and enjoy the fact that Chapter 7 is going to start us right off on In the planet. In a brand new room. That's all that matters. <laughs> Shuffled very quickly into another room. We didn't get to see anything on the... The, the uh, highliner. I'm a yeah. little bit sad about that. Yeah, I I am too. Uh, it's for how much it's kind of hyped, and you know, Paul's so excited to keep an eye out for that uh, guild navigator. I'm with Paul. Yeah. Uh, do you think he saw one? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I think Frank would have told us if he did. Yeah. It seemed like it was, I feel like that would be important in a chapter. Maybe maybe he just didn't want to bring us down. Uh, <laughs> you know, Paul was probably super <laughs> bummed out. He's like, Nah, there's nothing. Nothing we can get out of it. Everyone's here. sad. Yeah, so we sort of like skip right past that. Yeah, and yeah like yeah. I said, we uh, we jump in and we join uh, the Lady Jessica 
and she's in the great hall of uh, this kind of palace in Arakeen. Mm -hmm. And she's got the packings of her life all around her. It's that classic scene in a movie where, you know, brand new place, unpacking the boxes, sort of like dusting things off and seeing what you got to work with. Yeah, because we don't know how long the crossing took. So for them to go from Kaladan to Arrakis. True. I mean, like if you fold space, like how does it work? It's very fast. So like, well, we have a few clues we can parse out. Um, One, we know it is short enough that Yui was only concerned that Paul was going to miss a few classes. So we gave him a few videos to watch. Okay. So it's not that disruptive. And uh, we're obviously not concerned with any large amount of time. Like no one's aging uh, to do this huge, like uh, traveling these light years. It does have to somehow pass through physical space in some facet because you need the the guildsmen to steer clear of like stars and weird debris right. and stuff. So I'm uh, I'm guessing it's probably like four days or something. Okay, that's just sort of like a, a out there guess. I wonder, is is it buried in the encyclopedia somewhere maybe? Um, you know, I, I'll take D. I, I don't want to ever uh, say that I know the depths of the encyclopedia. There's right, always right. something else. Well, this uh, is I sort of like there. your first major read through the encyclopedia as well as my first... Yeah, Dune, yeah, so. exactly. So this is like, uh, I, I'm enjoying finding it. Um, I, I told you just before we started, uh, I missed the Chakopsa article entirely. And we, we learn all about uh, this this language. Yeah, and so like I got something for you. Okay. I, I went on a different track, and I found a real-life answer, but there was a great fiction answer that uh, I'm going to have to get back to later. <laughs> all right. So it's kind of uh, the opposite of what we normally do. Okay, okay. But it, it'll, all, it'll all even out and balance out. But uh, yeah, no, that's not where we're starting, though. We're starting in this room with Lady Jessica. It is. And before we even start there, we had that quote in the beginning. I just want to get your impression from that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all seems like it implies to the second half of this chapter when we're in the next conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just teases the panoplia or the missionaria protectiva pretty heavily. Yeah. And how Jessica is so perfectly matched to it. And obviously, you and I, we've gone over the Bene Gesserit a lot. And, you know, these are things uh, exactly what Gaius Helen Mahayim was warning her about. Uh, we got that telling her, like, hey, this is going to be here for it. Be ready. And so we get to see that uh, in person, which is really great. That's true. See, when I thought, uh, when we brought up, or sorry, we, when she brought up the missionary protectiva, I thought it was we like. Were, we were in the room with her. We Mike. were there, yeah. you know. She was acutely aware. <laughs> um, I had the impression it was like a group of Benny Gesserit that were on the planet. I didn't realize that there was no one there right yeah it's not like a constant occupation yeah i I was uh i sort of misinterpreted that Mm, yeah uh so those sisters i told you they were not used in the breeding program their sect is uh intentionally a dead end and that is because the missions they go on it's a one-way trip Mm -hmm. you know when they go to that planet that world that culture they ingratiate themselves into it and that's where they remain to the end of their days dang uh because one it helps reinforce whatever stature they built for themselves in that society Mm -hmm. to be this like trusted source of information or uh, i told you they made like songs poetry they might get into the education system right and they need to be in um a station that the community will trust uh, so they accept them and whatever they say. Hmm. Um, and then, so the last thing in this quote is that we have a new book, or not a book, but uh, a file. It's even. like, yeah, it's archived. Mm-hmm. It's archived by the Bene Gesserit, but it's called Analysis, the Arakeen Crisis. So what we're about to see, that's the Arakeen Crisis. I, I don't even have to ask you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. There's something really big uh, building up here. 
And you know, um, Irulan is a Bene Gesserit as well. I told you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we that discussed that a one. bit. So it's interesting that she's writing about Jessica in this exact moment. Uh, so she's going to be, obviously, Irulan survives to this whole ordeal. Uh, and it'll right. be interesting. I wonder how you think she would get that information, why Jessica would have talked to her, or why she would have talked to Jessica does, to learn this story. Does Irulan appear in this book, though? She does. So then maybe, well, I don't know who she talks to, I guess. So Yeah. Just something to keep on your mind. All right. And whatever the Arakine crisis is going to be, doesn't sound good. No, I, that's not a word that the Bene Gesserit would use very lightly. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, too, <laughs> yeah. that the Bene Gesserit would call it that uh, for a title. <laughs> Everything's on fire. <laughs> Maybe they meant opportunity. <laughs> um, but I guess uh, let's, let's go right in now or jump right in. Okay. We'll meet Jessica. We're in this hall. We mm-hmm. got these boxes everywhere. Uh, and... When she's looking around that hall, we get this uh, first impression of what this palace is like. It's a very old building. Uh, she calls it like a, a giant anachronism uh, right. at a time because uh, it's just pulled all of these different architectural elements and jammed them into one building. Kind of an ugly place, really. Yeah, I just got probably like a very gaudy and like right. imposing. Uh, and then it definitely it was not comforting was the biggest thing I think mm-hmm. Jessica was trying to make us cold. aware yeah, uh, she like uh, she compares it to the chapter house, the Bene Gesserit chapter house mm. on Wallach Nine, uh, where it's like it was similar, but there was a warmth in that school. Right. And here it's just bleak stone. Uh, and then stretched up top in the ceiling, we have these amazing beams that just arc across supporting oh, oh, the structure. Oh, yeah, like uh, they're, they're wooden, right? Yeah, they look like they're solid wood. I got a question for you here. Yeah. Now, she says that... Uh, Beams like that wouldn't come from any tree that could grow in this system, uh, the Arrakis system. What other like planets are there in the system with Arrakis? Ooh, okay, that's that's a good one that I don't have an answer for. Oh, okay, I, I, there are a few others. Um, I, I briefly touched on the sort of uh, setup of the star system that we're in. And they go into fine detail. Um, like we have some numbers for the gravity of the oh, star. Dang. The uh, so it's a binary star system. Okay. The second one isn't a star though, Mike. The second one is actually a white hole. Wait. Is that, how does that even work? Wait, oh, they, I guess I don't even know because it like that's a theorized thing anyway. Right. So. Uh, yeah. And so the book uh, it does make it very uh, direct of like in this universe we have confirmed black or we have confirmed white holes exist at the center of every galaxy. Hundred percent, no questions asked. Boom. They just put a <laughs> stamp on. on that one of like we just gotta move past that. <laughs> uh, so as science has moved forward, we know there are black holes at the center <laughs> of galaxies. <laughs> But they go with a white hole and just accept it. So it's the opposite of black hole. It's shooting out matter past its event right. horizon. Okay. And basically, it's this little dot is feeding into the second star. And uh, it has a little ratio for their masses and how this affects the orbits of the planets in the system. Oh, that's really cool. Which gets us closer to the answer you want of like, <laughs> are there ones with trees? That's got to uh, be hell on the planets. Yeah, a lot of them have like really eccentric orbits because the uh, density of that white hole mm-hmm. allows it to happen. Like every time it like comes by, it just sort of shoots and skyrockets at some weird. No, uh, not like that. Just but just like um, that uh, mass in such a small thing affects like the rate of the planets around it. 
So like an outside observer that the system looks very atypical in the orbits of the planets. Hmm. Uh, and then it made a slight mention of that it affects their uh, all their magnetospheres. And that's part of why oh. Arrakis has such a thin atmosphere. Why the storms are so brutal. Yeah. And, well, and why um, Jessica is looking out the window and she remarks that uh, at these latitudes, because remember, they're really far north. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just sees like blackness even in the late of day. Uh, and that that's like what the we were looking outside the window in the afternoon and it just looks like the blackest space out there. Jeez. So all that's an effect of that. Um, I will look into the planets for you. Yeah. yeah and, I'm just uh, curious. Yeah. We'll get back to that one. Hopefully within the next episode, and right. I can tell you more about those. Cool. Cool. I'll make a little note to myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, so either way though, those, those trees came from somewhere and, uh, they think it, it came from some part of the system in a time when money was not a problem. Didn't really matter because it would have been very expensive to transport something like that. Probably. Yeah. Oh, immensely. Uh, but they, they refer to the, uh, the old empire and I'm not sure what that distinction is. Um, what year that break off would be. Hmm. Uh, but at some point like the Imperial house sat on, uh, Arrakis, uh, like they didn't have their throne room there, but like they, that was their planet. Uh, so we'll see when we meet that Imperial, uh, planetologist, finally, Mm -hmm. he has access. There are these little, um, ecological testing stations, they call them scattered throughout the desert. And that was from way back when the Imperium was first trying to figure out like what is going on on this planet. Gotcha. Uh, And they're just long since abandoned, but they're out there and it's just another relic of what we would call kind of quote unquote, the old empire. Hmm. Now this, uh, this mansion is quite the place and we're saying that it used to be the seat of like this old government it's not going to apply to our friends the harkonnens though no they were in another town oh that's right uh what was the name uh kartha so Carthag. you want to say carthage but yeah carthag 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 is it uh they call it like a uh, a cheap and brassy place and it's some uh 200 kilometers northeast across the broken land that's okay, going to that. be our first regional reference we get to make. All right. So this is sort of my like ground zero lesson on the geography of Dune. Mm-hmm. So if we were to open up our maps here in the back of the book, uh, we're looking at that top um, hemisphere of the world, just from the polar sink down. I don't mm-hmm. know what you would call that view. And uh, Arrakis is going to be uh, kind of on the top of the map, you'll see. And Carthag off to that. And then this section of land that we're in is called um, the Broken Land. Okay. So that is like an area. Uh, so you would like, you would cross the Broken Land. And we've had a few other places mentioned, like uh, Gaius Helamahayim. She mentioned the funeral planes for us. The funeral planes. Yeah. So if you look on your map, you can see that one's in sort of like the bottom left. And what if I had a map, Derek? Oh, it's in that book, Mike. Oh, what? It's right in the back. Yeah, it's in like the last page, I think. Oh, look at that. Not the last page, but it's in there. It's in there. Uh, yeah, and it's a little, um, bent in. I don't like that they print it into the, um, center of the book. Right, those right. pages. It makes it hard to bend that open, but. Wait, no, they don't. I've got, like. Oh, they put a gap in? Oh, that they, is But really the gap's, nice. like, too big in mine. Yeah, yeah, but it, I, uh, I have the alternate problem where it, uh, kind of disappears <laughs> into that margin there. But there's a really high-quality one I think we can throw online for sure. everyone. Uh, and I encourage people to look into that. And I think we can make a little. We could probably Photoshop a path as we're going through and put that oh, on each week if you want. Yeah. Because uh, I definitely want to watch where as we're moving around this map now that we're going to have uh, some locales to point out. Sure, to. yeah. And maybe where different people are at the same time. There's a lot going oh. on. Oh. Yeah. Um, 
But to the point, Leto uh, decided to set up in the city of Arakeen instead of Carthag. One, because no Harkonnens. No Harkonnens. That's a great reason. That's a really good reason. <laughs> I think it's worth putting that as number two as well. We'll go on to three. What else did it you It sounds have? really nice. Yeah, it does. They, they mentioned that it has like a lot of tradition in its name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can kind of just, yeah, Arrakis, Arakeen. Like that, is, that is a good place. Right. And it really seems that Duke Leto sort of thrives off that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he also like kind of playing off, you think just tradition wise? Well, tradition wise, but uh, I, was, I don't know, something uh, something poetic about it. Yeah, I, I was thinking he calls it um, a dusty little garrison town mm-hmm. uh, when he mentions it to Jessica. But that they're going to change that. Well, you're right. But thinking back to like even just that um, silvered shield belt with a patina of much use. Mm-hmm. That is the Duke through and through. Like, it's a perfect place to do the utilitarian job, but it has these other, like, military features to it that are way more of a priority to an Atreides. Hmm. And I think it just makes it, like, the perfect match. And when you throw in that extra bit of tradition, which is something that, like, we've heard uh, hammered into us as very important, uh, Paul is going to be hyper-focused on tradition for the next couple chapters. Oh, really? Well, just like that's what uh, Guy's Helmaheim is telling him to watch out for. He has to make, um, uh, what was it? Tr- tradition, the science of his rule? I feel like I'm butchering that Oh, one. wait, yeah. That, let me look that up. Oh, yeah, yeah, So it says, uh, she closed her fingers into a fist without a ruler who knows the art of ruling. Make that the science of your tradition. Or so, no, so make that the science of your tradition. So that's the science of your tradition. Those are two words that don't usually get put together and kind of makes an oxymoron. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. Hmm. Of just like science is constantly the march towards something new. Tradition is sort of like a conservative stance of, you know, a benchmark for the old. I totally would have let that like fly over my head. That's what I'm here for, Mike. <laughs> Thank you, these, Derek. These little moments, I just want to make it all worthwhile. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that, that oh, there's a lot just kind of packed into there. And I wonder, too, so he called it Carthag. Uh, it's gotta have some association to Carthage. Okay. And I don't think I know enough Roman history, uh, to flesh that out in any way. I kind of, uh, superficially was searching around for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if anyone knows a reason why it would be called that, uh, we would love to know. Or if there is any correlation there, or I might just be on a wild goose chase. It could be. But I, I always think there's something that he left and I can follow on to like some great, uh, story. Mm-hmm. But that is um, just the kind of setup we get in the first few paragraphs, honestly. Right. Uh, nothing's happened yet. We've only looked around the building of it. Uh, and I do want to highlight uh, just with that mention of tradition. It's like about every chapter we're getting the word tradition thrown in at some point. And this chapter is clearly um, we've crossed some sort of a threshold in the book. You feel the pacing of it change. Uh, right. It's less set up. We're actually doing things now. Um, so you should keep an eye out. We're going to finally see the Atreides encountering other cultures and basically their traditions meeting other traditions. Okay. And we're going to see how they meet each other. You know, was one overwhelm the other? Is there like um, any kind of compromise made between the two? Uh, it'll just be something interesting that develops. And so getting back to Jessica being here, she has started unpacking. Mm-hmm. She unpacked two things specifically first. 
and she's kind of wondering, why did I just do this? Right. And she's looking down. There is a bull's head on a placard, and it says it's like uh, lying flat, and the bull is looking up at the ceiling, <laughs> like ready to charge uh, like, like echo or challenge into the room. Right. And then we have a portrait of, uh, you know, a great guy, Duke Mintor. Uh, he doesn't get his name ever brought we up We only enough. know the name because of your... Uh... Yeah, I think because of uh, the encyclopedia. Otherwise, it's always the old Duke. Um, I don't think they have any... Uh, I feel like Gaius Helma Hayam had a name for him, but I think she just might have said, like, he has the Bravora. And yeah, that's like, all. I think that's she all she said. Kind of sounded like she might have had a crush on him at one point. Nah, maybe, like, I don't know. You know, he seemed like he was a popular guy. And Jessica's looking at these two. Did you kind of put anything together for, like, what those two add up to mean? In relation to each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole kind of, uh, there's a lot in that metaphor. I think... Metaphor might be too heavy. Kind of like it's, I don't know how to describe this. Um, no, I mean like, or the symbolism maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That is perfect. Um, I think there is some stuff, but I think you need to look at the chapter as a whole to really dive into it because there's some other aspects of the, the bull's head, um, and the portrait that go into effect later in the chapter where Jessica is sort of like swearing at it for a moment and where it, like going to end up living within this place. Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot about it as well. So maybe let's put a pin in this one until we like get through everything. Oh, you right after the, yeah, I think like, yeah, let's, uh, let's get all the clues and facts and then sort of like, okay, go into a tangent. Okay. I like it. Cause yeah, I mean, it does come up at the end. So if you feel like that's important to what you want to throw at Mm -hmm. me, uh, I'm okay with that. Moving past that one, then we, uh, have Jessica looking around and there's a lot of moments in this chapter where Jessica is, she's not in her kind of like safe space. Um, she is on edge. She is a little, I would almost say nervous. And it starts in this moment here um, where it says, not since the day when the Duke's buyers had taken her from the school had she felt this frightened and unsure of herself. Mm-hmm. So I think that is huge. Uh, Remember, when she arrived with the Duke, um, it was like three hours. That plan was hatched, and she seemed very much like she had carved out this station for herself. Right. And we saw how she conducted herself in the castle and was very, you know, in charge. Um, We have Paul's kind of how he's painted her. So just to see her unsure of herself and frightened is, I think, new for us. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just a little bit new to her as well. Like you said, that's like 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And like even of herself, yeah, her feeling unsure of How herself. old is Lady Jessica? Uh, I don't know Jessica's age. Uh, she is the one that doesn't have a date of birth in the Dune Encyclopedia form. Really? Yeah. So Why? Um, I think it has to do with her mysterious parentage. Oh, just to like shed even more like... Fog on. Yeah, yeah. It's the only thing that I can think of. And, uh, but I mean, we can kind of break down a little bit of a guesswork okay. for where she was at. Um, just on uh, when the Bene Desert would have bought her or when the buyer would have. Right, right, right. So I, I would think I would just be between 25 and 30. And then we're 15 years out of that. Okay, yeah. Because Paul, you know, she, that, the boy was born nine months after she got there. Yeah. So that's a pretty safe uh, timeline. I'm going to guess about it, like, either early to mid 40s. It's probably just like a shot in the dark, but. 
Um, and before we get to it, I don't know how old Mapes is either. <laughs> but you've been telling me how old I, everyone I, I've is. I've been nailing them all. Yeah, it's been so easy. They present them for me all nice and quick in the encyclopedia. Um, all right. But yeah, those ones are noticeably missing a birth date for it. All right. Uh, so like, there's got there's got to be something for Jessica though. Yeah, she's such a prominent character. I though. feel like there is. We got There's got to be someone mentioning her age soon. Hmm. Um, oh man, you are stumping me at all points. Today. Yeah, well, no, I'm just, doing got good. good questions, man. You're getting you're getting better at this. <laughs> um, so this is the point where uh, Jessica, like I said, she's feeling frightened. She's feeling a chore. Mm-hmm. She goes. She looks up out of that window, hoping to see like some sunshine and something met with the blackness of space where we're talking about how the atmosphere is so thin. That's so wild. Yeah. And so she's just, it does that ping of like homesickness to Caladan. Uh, or clearly, yeah, it would have just been beautiful skies out of every window as far as you could see. And at this point, uh, the Duke actually enters. Mm-hmm. And I get a little like, uh, I can't even remember what he kind of yells. It's like, <laughs> just barging into this room. He just goes, here we are. <laughs> Point some things out. Uh, and he goes up to Jessica and she's kind of remarking on always his hawk-like features. And then that she has a sudden fear of him tightens her chest. And he became such a savage driving person. Well, first, it's a decision I mean, like, to bow to this, the emperor's command. This is sort of the first time we also get like a, a solid description of both the Duke and of Lady Jessica. Yeah, they, and, well, uh, actually, let me just say, uh, what I liked about this was this was sort of like an insight to how Lido has changed since we left Caladan. Not, well, uh, I guess you're right. Just not, in, I think not just Cal- leaving Caladan, probably a little bit prior to that as well. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, you're totally right. Because it says, like, since um, he ex- bowed to the emperor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is going back months. Uh, but just that she's clocking that there's been this change in him that's been building, and now it's getting to, a, like, this really, uh, not a breaking point, but it's, you know, it's starting to really get to her. It's also a really intimate description of each other because, like, they are lovers and they're describing what they see in their loved one right now. That is funny that you use that word when she uh, so pointedly doesn't use the word lovers. Oh, really? Later on. Yeah, uh, we'll point to that. Um, but uh, what is it? They talk. They kind of talk about how uh, cold the house is mm-hmm. together, and this is like I. I these little moments where in between these important things I got to discuss, there is just sort of like this husband and wife commenting on the new home they've moved into. They're just like, oh, a lot of this place sucks. Um, and then Lito's, but <laughs> it's a fixer upper. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, but they, uh, he had been to the South wing where the apartments are and they're a lot nicer there. And it's just such a, like a, I'm thinking of you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it, uh, he starts admiring her looks, like you were saying. Right. Uh, I feel like they both take, and it's that juxtaposed duality. It's going to be like our new tagline of this thing. <laughs> uh, he starts looking at her, and he it's very much like him just admiring the beauty of Jessica. And we go over all of her features, her eyes, her hair, um, her nose. And he's wondering, like, the origin of this regal beauty that's in her. I'm like, is it a renegade house? Oh, yeah, no, we get her... Uh... Her uh, ancestry sort of comes up again. Yeah, yeah. Is it a black bard royalty? And then, like, yeah, like that, uh, like looked incredibly regal, more so than the emperor, even more regal than the emperor. So she's himself. probably not within the emperor's bloodline. You're saying probably not? Probably not. Then, if she looks what? even oh, better oh, than oh, the emperor, better. gotcha. I was like, why? How are you ruling that out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unless, I mean, I maybe it's just from her mother's side. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe Gaius was a looker. <laughs> I don't know, actually. 
Yeah, she could have been in her day. Yeah. I think that wellspring of uh, oh <laughs> of, yeah, yeah. Of youth and beauty, <laughs> <laughs> that wellspring of cunningness she's tapped into. Um, yeah, she's got something in that background, and it lead we uh, we get a lot of people being able to see uh, regalness, and I think it's interesting that they bank so much on that. Um, and that uh, Leto looking at her, he kind of has this thing where he remembers that the lay sisters called her skinny. Mm-hmm. Is what like the buyers were told. Uh, and that I love it. He just goes, but that description oversimplified. Mm-hmm. It's just how he ends it. Where it's just like, I don't know what they were trying to convey with that, but he's like, clearly they just missed it entirely. And there's something about this woman that's like irresistible to he's him. He's just mesmerized by her as a whole. Because there's just so, not one thing could pin down like the source of her beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, his last thought is just like, I'm glad Paul looks like her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, man, I'm so glad Paul doesn't look like me. Good I'm a train wreck. Good for him. <laughs> that kid needed a win. <laughs> Could have been a bird. So it's like, Paul gets everything. He's a mentat. He's got Ben H. Ezra training. He's got sword training. He can play the guitar. He's a handsome guy. He's got a good life ahead He's got of it him. all. Hopefully there's no crises in his future. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so bringing up Paul. We do get the uh, Leto ask where he is. Oh yeah, and that uh, he's uh, he's with Yui in like a lesson right now. <laughs> how how do you feel? Really? <laughs> that can't be. Gra- when I read that, I was like, oh no! It's like every yeah, every time I get like the hair on the back of the neck kind of stands up. Of like, you just want to no, go get him right now. And the fact that Leto is just so much like, I almost went to check on him, but I was like, nah, they're good, and just walks away. That's how you lose heirs. <laughs> So this is like, um, we're going to see a lot of moments of, uh, we kind of have already talked that Yui should be somewhat uh, discernible as the traitor, but everybody is so busy and preoccupied right now, they're not catching these red flags that are popping up. I mean, are they really red flags right now, though? No, not this. Like, you, uh, Yui being with Paul is fine, but I mean the depression, that night he went missing, the fact that Juan is gone, that kind of a thing. Um, and now we're just going to see this, but like, that was a very close call. Like we, we don't know that anything nefarious is happening, but mm-hmm. we were in the room on gaiety prime, uh, while the Baron let you know what this whole plan was. Something it happened. What's that? I'm sorry. I've been listening to a lot of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, we, we got to find out what's going to happen. We just don't know when. Uh, so I would be on edge at every moment. Uh, certainly Leto doesn't know that and Yui is trusted, but yeah, I encourage you to keep an eye on him essentially. Uh, but the Duke, he's come here to do a very important thing. Uh, yeah, a very, uh, symbolic thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to hang the, uh, key to Caledon castle. Man, the family that moves in there is screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Banging on the door. <laughs> you think uh, Count Hasmir Fenring is out front right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. His wife's What's like, hold on. on. <laughs> I, uh, she's in the freighter still. Yeah, she's a Bene Gesserit, so she, oh, she is. she's counting the minutes, and she'll know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what, he, uh, what the plan with the key is. It's like but... the key to the city. It doesn't actually open anything. It's just, you know, there. Mm. I do mm. like to imagine, though, that just big old key ring, like, oh, I'm taking this with me. <laughs> yeah, we're not going <laughs> to... And you know that that's the last way you get kind of burn the emperor. <laughs> like, yeah. Kick me out of my house. Show you. Let all the bulls loose. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I had a question about the bulls actually. Yeah. What do you, about? Because uh, we didn't really dive into like uh, how was it like ten twenty thousand years in the future? Um, how 
the physiology of these animals have changed. Because I didn't think about it last week when we talked about like whale fur. Maybe whale fur is an actual thing now. And that of like some variety of some whale. variety of it. And then like maybe there is a reason that sharks are transported. Like maybe sharks are important. Or maybe they're <laughs> like dogs now and they're just like <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. Running around. So what are bulls like in the future? They're very similar to bulls. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything special about them. They were, the ones specifically for the Atreides were just bred uh, for like their physical prowlessness. Okay. So at most, I would say maybe we've like improved that to some level that's beyond uh, like what the a bigger bull is beasties. Now. Yeah, maybe bigger, faster, something of that nature. Harder, stronger. Yeah, uh, but very much still a bull. Gotcha. Uh, and identifiable as one. So, uh, old El Muerte, I don't think he had anything uh, special or unique about him. Okay. Beyond being a big old creature with some special horns. <laughs> uh, so, he's going to hang up that key. And um, Jessica, if you got that book right open there. Yeah, yeah. No. She, she goes to say something else before she mentions, like, the family banner, doesn't she? Or does yeah, she yeah. just not think she can dissuade him? Well, she, she caught her breath is what it says. And I think the reason is because she... She she senses the finality in that mm-hmm. uh, that action, and she knows that it is a sad thing. She wants to sort of say something or console him, but stops herself. And I think part of it is that she knows that they're going to sort of talk about like we wouldn't know, we like we didn't have to do this. Yeah, because that does come up in their conversation. Yeah. They mentioned there's an argument that they've had. It sounds like many a time, many times. Uh, and I mean, we know that Jessica is very much in the loop of the whole plan. Of mm-hmm. what they're doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, via Paul last chapter. And that's definitely what this illusion is. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like they're always talking about something way bigger than just the given moment. Right. Um, but so knowing there's nothing she can do, she goes to just be like, I saw her banner hanging out front. And I, I am curious, like, where she was going with that. Right. <laughs> but the Duke, he sees the bull on the floor. And he, does <laughs> he immediately one- changes, like, what were you going to do with that? It's like <laughs> this conversation. We just make a beeline to the second topic because I need to know what your plan is with that bull. <laughs> and it's like, there is some history here. Yeah. I almost think maybe he came down to check on the bull in the portrait. <laughs> like More than maybe, anything. Maybe he knew. Where's she- my bull? <laughs> Where's Jessica? Oh no! <laughs> it's like the uh, the lamp in the Christmas story. I don't. What happened to the lamp in the Christmas? Story? Oh, it's this ugly lamp. It's like a leg, like fishnet leg, mm. with like a like a oh, skirt yeah, top, yeah. and it's hideous. It's like, oh, I'm gonna put this in the front window. And it's like, <laughs> mom is just upset. That it's like bright and shining in the window, and then one day she accidentally knocks it over <laughs> while vacuuming. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. And yeah. the dad is actually just crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's the exact thing <laughs> yeah. Jessica would have wanted. <laughs> but she can't quite pull that off with the bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So he asked her, like, what were you going to do with this? And she's like, I was going to put it up in the great hall somewhere in here. It's like, <laughs> and like, does a very sharp and flat no. Yeah. A special kind of no. And it's the no that tells her you can't change his mind. You can use the voice. That's about it. You can, yeah, you use your Benny Gesserit like mind tricks or yeah, whatever no, they like could be. Specifically, I think that trick, uh, maybe even like manipulation too. I kind of took sort, it more any sort like, of manipulation, voice, really. but yeah, yeah, she, cause say she, the right things. Yeah, so she respects him so much that uh, she uh, she tells herself like, I have to try, even if this gesture is sort of like futile, uh, just so that she knows she would never trick him. 
Right. And I think that that's a really endearing thing. I wonder when she made that decision, like the just the moment, like what during that three hours? I would think so. I, I like there there there's probably like some mutual. Um, I want to say impression, but uh, like they impressed each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 respect is just built off of that. Because uh, they're just such a great team, and this conversation keeps going in that way. Where uh, I feel like they're always uh, like, however this could be, where like both of them are one step ahead of each other because they're both kind of having different conversations, right? And but they're not they're not always having them out loud either. But they're able to like somehow sense that. Yeah, I mean, with Jessica, I we obviously you, you know <laughs> why. But uh, I, I'm impressed that Leto is able to do that as well. His little moments, he pulls yeah. two off here. Yeah, but I feel like for as many as he gets, he fails the others. Oh yeah, no, like, 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 like you this. watch some things go like, oh Leto. I'm like, oh, you missed that one. It was so obvious. He's got a lot of things on his mind. He's not all there. It is. But uh, uh, so he tells uh, Jessica specifically, like it is between my ancestral dignity and your digestion, so it's gonna have to go with my dignity. And, and it seems like uh, she doesn't always eat at the the table, anyways. Right. Like, and she. This is that flip side where so where Jessica gave us insight to how the Duke used to be. Right. We get a little insight to how Jessica acted in Castle Caladan. Right. Right. And yeah, so you're saying she wasn't eating like uh, where she go? she went back to her room. Right. Uh, and that was for like all the state dinner. Well, no, she came out for state dinners. Any, any formal occasion. Mm-hmm. But uh, is that like a Benny Gesserit thing or just because the bowl was probably in the dining room back home as well? Just like, oh, that thing. Hmm. Um, I mean, it could be. No, no, it would have been concubine more than Benny Gesserit. Because uh, mm-hmm. remember, we had the other concubines would um, they would come to the dinner, but not like take part in it. And we know Jessica is on each level more involved and more accepted. OK, Um but I don't know. I think that and maybe just that she I don't know. It can't be about the bull and the Duke from the beginning. That no, would, probably that would be not. weird. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what her indifference would be to that uh, sitting there for normal dinners. Hmm. Why she wouldn't have liked that. No, I just like wondered if it was like a personal choice or like maybe like part of some uh, uh, sort of ritual. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a ritual. So, like, uh, we'll never uh, expand upon it. Okay. Uh, so, like, uh, when dinners are going on, we're not going to follow Jessica back to her room and see what kind of witchcraft she's doing in there. Like, <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think like something like that. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't know uh, what it, the reasoning would be for. Hmm. Uh, but I think all it does is give us this insight that she doesn't really want to do fully maybe the station of like that, you know, the woman of the house or maybe because she didn't see herself as the proper wife. You don't think so? Maybe, maybe we'll, well, no, I mean, we, she definitely does, knows she's not the wife. Well, you know, that's I know what that. I mean. So maybe, oh, okay. I'm saying maybe like, a little resentment. Uh, okay. That she, I see. That like, if you want me to be at your table every night, maybe you oh, should marry me. And that's super sad because of the next line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's why they would be so close together. Oh, uh, and um, oh my god, this line just gets me so bad. So this is another moment where like her Bene Gesserit training. You need to keep that in mind for this one. Mm-hmm. So she's gonna eat in her room, and uh, I think she responds like, uh, "Well, thank you, my lord, for like that." Right. Uh, very she's like, kind of proper. And the Duke is just like, "Don't get all cold and formal on me. Be thankful that I never married you, my dear. Oof. Then it'd be your duty to join me at table for every meal." And this line, this is remember, keep a Bene Gesserit right, in right, mind. Right. She held her face immobile, <laughs> nodded. That means she controls every muscle on her face. She set them to be like, don't 
make a move. I am so angry right now. Yeah. And lets him kind of have it. And I, oh, I hate that he just misses it so much. Dang. It is clearly. It's like, and that's the thing. Probably wouldn't mind that duty if you would just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, like, like, it's that projection that they always put it on her. Of like, right. are you glad that this never happened? Uh, that's super dumb. Yeah. Come uh, on, Leto. So what? And what, he doesn't marry her because he's dangling the possibility of marriage to other, like, houses? That's one of the things we're told, yeah. Yeah, we don't, I mean, like, so we get a few, few things, uh, or a few reasons, but it's sort of like Jessica says one thing, Lido kind of says in that moment, this is why. Um, Mm. But, but I mean, he does love her, and consider the, the tension that he's been in, I guess, kind of his whole life, where his house is, that... It, it's weird. Why make her the, you know, heir, mother of the heir, but not. You know what? My face is immobile right now, Derek. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wah, wah. So, how what though? This is the little redeeming thing. He put a poison snooper in the dining hall. I just love that name, the poison snooper. Poison snooper. <laughs> and there's one in her room as well. Uh, and he kind of anticipated this for her because he, he cares about her comfort. Yeah. Um, and that, that is a nice thing. I he suppose. knew he was going to have to talk about the bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and she even like calls him out. Like you knew we were going to have this disagreement. Yeah. It's like, uh, he just, he, he sort of like switches it again. It's like, no, I thought about your comfort. It's like, no, no, you didn't buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I take that one in for just for that poison snooper of like, I also, you know, trying to like, yeah, iron it out as best he can, but, he also I'm tells her the Duke out on that one. <laughs> I, th- I think you can get you can get that. Uh, he tells her that he also hired us uh, servants, mm-hmm. and all the servants that we brought on are going to be fremen for right now. Yeah, makeshift uh, servants until they get the rest of theirs out. Yeah, well, until the rest of their like uh, their force is freed up because everyone's right. so busy with all these uh, atypical tasks on like moving us in. So get some temporary some temps in here. Some temps, some blue eyed temps, and specifically there was one housekeeper who asked to be, like, uh, work under Jessica. Yeah, that's right. Uh, shout out Mapes. Shout out Mapes. And uh, shout out, we learned, was Well Dipper in uh, Chacopsa. That's true. So it's a little, uh, it, it's a Fremen title. It's funny, because when when uh, you say it, I just want to be like, let's give a shout out to Mapes right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Mapes. Oh, yeah, it's a meme I've seen <laughs> many <laughs> no, times. Really? <laughs> so I hope you, you can enjoy that joke, Mike. <laughs> This is, uh, remember that time we were saying when Paul learns he's a Mentat? Oh, yeah. like, it's, it's fun the first time. <laughs> oh, shout out to Maves. Uh, but so <laughs> she wanted to uh, serve Jessica. And she kind of like how the Bene Gesserit got Jessica in the Atreides house. I think it's interesting that Mapes was able to put herself in this position. Oh, yeah, yeah. With how on edge the Atreides are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Thufir gave her the, the thumbs up, like she's A-OK. She hates Harkonnens. She, uh, all the Fremen apparently hate Harkonnens. Yep. And, uh, yeah, get her on in there. And she wants to uh, serve Lady Jessica specifically because she's a Bene Gesserit. Yeah, the lead, uh, Lido lets us know they've learned that uh, the lady is a Bene Gesserit. They've got legends about them. And mm. Lady Jessica immediately brings it up. It's like, Missionaria Protectiva, no place escapes them. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm uh, just like... Little tagline for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like always there. They are just the UPS of <laughs> religious it's, indoctrination. It's very cool. Uh, yeah, and that uh, I mean, again, like we know, Gaius Helen Mahayam kind of did give her the heads up uh, going right. into this. 
So is so probably she on might her- end up keeping her close as a personal uh, servant even after uh, the temps are no longer needed. Oh yeah, the shadow mates. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially after how their conversation. Yeah. Went. Well, yeah, we'll get there in a second, I guess. There's some camaraderie that grew between them, but. Bringing up uh, the Missionaria Protectiva, we uh, go on, and Jessica asks, does that mean Duncan was successful? Right. That That's exciting. And Leto doesn't tell her no. He it's, doesn't say yes either, though. He does, well, yeah, he doesn't, but it's promising, and we have a truce with the Fremen. So that's big. Yeah, this is something we should kind of get to a little bit, where we now know that... Um, the Fremen were a huge problem for the Harkonnens. Mm-hmm. The Harkonnens downplayed how much of a problem they were for them and that they were raiding them constantly. Right. And uh, I don't think that. So the Emperor probably doesn't know that about this whole plan either. Right. About them being a variable in this. And it's probably just that they could save face, to be honest. The Harkonnens? Yeah. Like, oh, Baron's all about reputation and appearances. Yeah. Not his own. Yeah. But it, it would not do good to make it look like you were getting pushed around by, like, the desert nomads on yeah. this world. Uh, by the way, can we borrow some starter car? <laughs> can, can I get a hell <laughs> Your credit score says. <laughs> you think that's how it's rated? <laughs> yeah. Oh, your credit card says starter car are coming for you, <laughs> not to you. Oh, no. Lord knows the Baron's maxed out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they've, they've been harassing them. And this plays into those that numbers game with the Fremen, Mike, where we're wondering how many there are. Yeah, so I'm, I'm saying 10,000. 10,000. And we're saying, well, now we know it's enough that they were a thorn in the side of the Harkonnens. And they got a lot of money. They got a lot of power. A lot of money. They could, th- yeah, and they could throw bodies <clears throat> at a problem. Hmm. So uh, that means also- I don't think that would go unnoticed, though. What do you mean? That uh, if they wanted to save face, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure constantly sending uh, the Spacing Guild to Arrakis to like drop off uh, more Harkonnens and then watching them die and then sending in more and watching I, them die. I would say that's honestly not that different from the Harkonnen MO. Really? Uh, they Remember, they refer to populations as stock. Oh, that's true. They, uh, we're going to get to one point where, um, the Baron is talking to, uh, remember the beast Raban. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. kind of br- br- brought him up and he's telling the beast to like go down and like crush this world. And the beast is like, you want me to just kill everyone? It will bring in new people. He's like, good God. No, you idiot. Like <laughs> we're not just going to get new stock every time. <laughs> so kind of highlighting that we can sometimes we're not going to this time. Okay. So I, I, I think that would be, uh. Fire for the course. With how many slaves they took back off of that one raid? Right. That was 50,000 people. That's crazy. That's, wow. Just to bring to an emerald mine. I guess, too, if, like, we're comparing or thinking that uh, maybe the Fremen can be used as an opposing force to Sardaukar, then, yeah, definitely would be a thorn in the side, for sure, no matter how many there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just don't know uh, the extent that it was a problem for the right. opponents or what they did. Uh, so Leto, it seems like he sort of just figured this out, probably only from what the Fremen told Duncan and Duncan told right. him. Right. It's just like, yes. <laughs> sounds we got to win. Oh, my God. Yeah, that probably did feel great. <laughs> yeah. so, like he needs a Because like this has all been sort of a gamble. Like he's going into it like he knows that it's a trap. He knows who holds the knife, but like he's still going in blind, more or less. Yeah, I, I would say he hasn't had much room to exercise his own agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been doing what he's been told, and right. then kind of just looking left and right to make sure he's not going to get killed. Uh, but knew like I gotta just walk over, you know, cross the Sarat and see where I end up. Yeah, and now we're on Arrakis. 
Uh, poor guy. Now, knowing that those guys are a thorn in their side, uh, Lito mentions that they got their, because uh, Jessica's like, oh, that housekeeper's going to have the blue and blue eyes. And Lito's like, you know, they got the blue eyes and there's a fatality to them. Like, don't like cast them aside or judge them. It, it's It's funny, too, because... He says there's a deep strength and healthy vitality in them. Mm-hmm. But when we when we see our first fremen and walk in the streets, they look malnourished and dehydrated. They do. They look. Yeah, I just think that's incredible. Like, yeah, that. Well, yeah, I, well, uh, uh, just remember this, and when we get down to okay. Napes, and there's a point I can make through of like sure. how she is even like she's a pretty strong woman, right, right, right. Okay. Uh, and there's just that vitality to them. But yeah, it's uh, but that's why he's saying don't judge. Uh, I think when you look at them, yeah, you would just totally cast them aside. Like, they're so different and foreign to you. But uh, it's just that they're so adapted for this environment. Right. Like, they excel here, specifically. Um, she says it's a dangerous gamble, like, just yeah. sort of, like, trusting in the Fremen and hoping that it works out. Yeah, and again, this is the moment where... Uh, she says it's a dangerous gamble, and he comes say, let's not go into that again. Yeah, so we know this is a talk they've had several times. Yeah, this is that argument where I think we've been, you know, every couple nights this has been brought up, like, <laughs> home on Caladan. They talked about it on the spaceship on the ride over here. Right, right. And maybe again this morning. And it's just like, we're done with this. And it's another moment where she reminds herself that she can't use trickery. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's just, like, her telling herself, like, it's not even an option. I'm not even going to consider it. And uh, she forces her smile, says we are committed, no doubt about that. Not necessarily agreeing with him. It's like, well, we're in it. Like, mm-hmm. we can't go back. Um, and does sort of that same two-breath uh, ritual that Paul does earlier in the book. Yeah, I like it. So I, I did, uh, I copied this one down. So this is, uh, there's a lot of moments where she is channeling. It takes her using her Bene Gesserit techniques just to make it through this day or this afternoon. It's it trying. Right. And so, like, she had that moment. She was unsure and frightened. She had a moment of fear of Leto. Uh, she stands here right now, and she has to go through the regimen of calmness. Two deep breaths, the ritual thought, and then she's able to just move on to a completely benign subject of yeah. conventional matter. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And he even knows, like, how do you do that? <laughs> like, you gotta tell me how you do that. And I think it's super funny. Yeah, uh, I like... And so this is the one time where he is right. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, she doesn't let him have it, though. It, it must be a Benny Chesra thing. And she goes, ah, it's a woman thing. Which I'm like, that's a good line, Jessica. I'll give you that. Yeah. Like, put him in his place a little bit. But the fact that you went through the quick regimen of calmness, two breaths, and then a thought, and then can think, I'm like, that is a Benny Chesra thing. <laughs> I'll give you most women can also do a technique similar to that. Uh, but man, yeah, Lido, he got it for once and he was on. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, that's kind of a, a good moment between the two of them. I, I like it when it seems like they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lido, he's got to get running though. And he oh, tells yeah. her like, he's off to meet this shuttle. He's going to have to convince, uh, we got spice hunters, about 800 of them are set to leave the planet. And they're going to take a shuttle up to the, uh, guild ship in orbit. Now, okay. So they're... They mine the spice on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. And I had this thought last time as well, where we talked about the Thopters and the spotter. Yeah, the, sp- the light spotter. The, yeah, the, the spotter control, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I got Yeah, spotter control and a light Thopter. Um, they are part of uh, spice hunting parties, and they're the ones that keep lookout for like danger. So you have to hunt for the spice. Yes. 
uh, they don't have like like spice mines or quarries ready to go. Nope, it's on the top of the sand. In, oh, uh, so you, oh, so you do have to like travel around looking for it. Yeah, you have to go look for it. Uh, you will see a, a really dark brown mass. Okay. Uh, then you go to that. Right, right, right. You start picking up as much spice as you can. Okay. And it's sort of like you just start a timer. And that timer starts ticking down. Wait. Tick. 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 Is that until like. Spice, you pick <clears throat> up spice. Tick. Is it like sort of like tremors, tick. like the worms are tick. coming kind of deal? Yep. And that spotter is circling oh. in the sky. Tick. Tick. Oh, tick. man. And then it happens. And then worm sign is seen. So wait. So it's as soon as they like touch down kind of thing? Kind of. Okay. It's enough that uh, that's as much as I want to tell you now. Uh, okay. We're going to get to go on um, sort of a observation of a spice harvesting mission. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like you, in the next chapter? Not next, but it'll be you, me, and the Duke side by side in a thopter. So, oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you push off of the spice hunting till that one? Okay. And okay. I think that will be, if you have any more questions after uh, they actually witness it, that'll totally answer anything. Okay. Uh, but it, it's, it's worth watching their uh, kind of thematic uh, exploration of it. Sure. Yeah. Where we get to go through a whole little, uh, you see all the machines. It's, it's cool. Because uh, spice harvesters are huge. They're gigantic structures. And uh, they got a little carryall. It's like a big beetle, beetle uh, to match the thopter. Because uh. everything flies using that same technique. All right. Uh, it's awesome. But so those uh, spice hunters, we want guys that got experience with it. So mm-hmm. kind of like we were just saying that you're all got all these jobs that it, uh, it matters if you've done it before, you know what you're looking for. Right. Uh, or clearly there's that danger to the job. Not everybody wants to do it. Um, a job with a tick, 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 tick going yeah, on. Yeah, right. <laughs> great. Um, and, uh, and it's especially important, too, because one of the biggest uh, things about coming to this planet is if we can't produce enough spice, like, bad things are going to happen. Right. We are already worried about the Harkonnens um, nefariously sabotaging it, let mm. alone us just not having the personnel or materials or infrastructure to do the job. Right, right. Uh, that would be tragic. And with the change in power comes the option to opt out of spice hunting. Like, Yep. And, well, specifically, uh, the judge of the change is allowing it. Uh, Leto mentions that the judge of the change, who was installed by the emperor the and the planetary... Planetary ecologist. ecologist. But I just wanted to touch on, because uh, it says specifically that the Emperor and the Landsrad uh, elected him. Right. And we, when we talked about Canley, I said there was a judge it's, of the right. It, I think it's Conley. Conley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, many words, Mike, I'm just going to mispronounce. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to take those as my wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get very few of them, and I butcher every word I say in the Glossary game. Uh, Canley, Conley, Peter, Piter. Uh, there's another one I got. Comb, Chom. Comb, Chom. That was my good one. <laughs> Uh, you can you can get me to it every time. I apologize. It's just it is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I have See, good I, intentions. I, I've got the the audiobook uh, helping me out here and there. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Side note for me, when I'm reading a book, and this is always especially when I was younger, I read more fantasy. Whenever I got to a name I couldn't pronounce, so fantasy, it was like anytime they named an elf, uh, and it's just a series of consonants and vowels. I would just make up a shortened one in my head and just say that each time because these were books I didn't talk about anyone. You know, no one else is reading them. So it would just be something I could think of. Mm-hmm. And that was my Dune experience for a long time. So I think there's just some that that's how I read it and internalized it. And then it never had to come out until now. I think when I read Harry Potter, I had no idea how to pronounce Hermione's name. Oh, my. Yeah. And like when I for like was it, I think the fourth book had just dropped when the movie came out. And like when I heard it for the first time, I'm like, who's that? 
Yeah, uh, who? Yeah, exactly. I don't even remember how I pronounced it in my head, but I knew it was not that. Yeah, uh, Greek mythology. Uh, Persephone. Uh, yeah. Persephone. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. Me too, when I was littler. Persephone. Persephone. It's like, that's exactly what the... Then when you say it, you go, hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, no. So, when we were talking about Conley. That's right. <laughs> they, uh, they elect a judge of the right. And that is elected by the Landsrad and the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was great that it is specified here for the judge of the chain. For the cha- judge of the change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Leto says the judge of the change can't be bought. To me, that implies something. That means Leto tried to buy the judge yeah. of the change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or one of his lieutenants did. <laughs> and, and you said he's like the Emperor's best friend or something like no, that? No, no, that's uh, Count Hasmir Fenring. Oh, oh, that guy. That okay. is the guy standing outside of Castle Caladan because gotcha. the key's gone. Okay. Uh, he took over. <laughs> Banging outside. Yeah. Ah! Uh, he took over that as sort of a favor to the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is um, a stand-in, uh, I think a stand-in duke now for there. Um, but the judge of the change can't be bought. He's the imperial uh, planetologist Liet Kynes, mm-hmm. uh, very cool guy, and he hasn't shown up yet. In, we just we've heard him mentioned a couple times, three times now. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting when he does get around. He's going right. to be showing up. I, in I, few I, chapters. I want to make sure that we keep that name in mind because uh, I, I messed up on Doctor Yui in that first chapter. Like I said, like that, I thought that was a throwaway name. I didn't realize how important <laughs> it was to the story. <laughs> So, Dr. Kynes, I'm keeping that. Keeping it, remembering yeah. it. Uh, and the Leto also lets him know that uh, he's going to send a car back here for Paul mm-hmm. later in the day. I wonder um, what the cars look like uh, It was like this a, time. I think he just calls it a ground car. I don't know if we got uh, any visual thing, but probably hovers. Yeah, I imagine everything in the future hovers. Yeah, why, why I use wheels? Suspensors. I mean, if, if, if the Baron can hover yeah, yeah. because he eats too much, <laughs> then, yeah, yeah, the cars should be able to hover. Uh so Jessica, she has this final thought kind of go through where she wants to convince him, I think, again, to give up on Arrakis. And again, no tricks, but she stops herself. She's, yeah. Yeah. She it's like it's welling up. I'm just I'm thinking that is ultimately what she's constantly wanting. Like, we should just go renegade. We should just run like to leave. Mm-hmm. Why go through this? It'd be very easy. They could live happily. Mm hmm. And uh where she paused, she just asked him about, like, what are we going to do for dinner, essentially? <laughs> and it's, yeah, something something silly. Mm-hmm. And the Duke in his head, uh, this is those moments where we switch so seamlessly between one mind to the other, and I love that in Frank Herbert's writing. And the Duke is like, oh, my Jessica, would that we were somewhere else, anywhere away from this terrible place, alone, the two of us, without a care. They could just go renegade. I guess. But, but even before that, though, well, noticeably, picks- Paul is missing from that equation. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> he is ready to Mom? drop that kid. Dad? <laughs> Freighter going up into space. <laughs> yeah, just one ship. <laughs> but, uh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to be stuck on this. Sorry, yeah, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, man. I need a second. <laughs> so, yeah, she says, uh, like, oh, what do you be expecting for dinner? Not some nonchalantly switching uh, switching topics. And even he picks up on that again. I think that's the second time that yeah. you mentioned he picks up on it. Says that's not what she was going to say. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, I think the next line is he clears his throat as if to say something else. And then uh, without warning, just walks out the door. Yeah, he kind of just turns like, around. That's it. Very awkward. And I wonder, I assume he probably was going to say like, 
something uh, either emotional or like a term of endearment for her. Mm. Like that would be the thing I feel like the Duke would shut himself down on mm-hmm. of like, and back to business and off to do this kind of thing. Right. Uh, unless you got an impression he was going to say anything else. No, I don't. I mean, <clears throat> I think that is sort of just the the mystery there. Like, what was he going to say? I'm sure Lady Jessica knows exactly what it was, but or an idea, yeah, or an idea of it. Um, I think it's interesting though. We get sort of uh, this idea of how cold Leto is becoming towards things during this transition and during this uh, uh, scheme that's afoot, and he has that moment of uh, Jessica. If only it was the two of us away from here, mm-hmm. how much nicer life would be. He has every opportunity to do that kind of thing, though. And he doesn't, which I just think is so interesting. And I think that that's what uh, Jessica has been talking about this whole time, like on her side of an argument of like, why, like, why did we even come here? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we need to do this? Yeah. I, I mean, you kind of know what the Duke's answer is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that yeah, just that it can't be budged whatsoever. It's that ancestral part. I think I talked about Paul having a lot of pride in the beginning. I think he gets it from Leto for sure. Oh yeah, no like, doubt. Looks from Jessica, stubbornness from Leto, sharp features from Leto. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, we see that also manifest in when. Lito leaves, he walks out in the hallway. Yeah. He immediately bumps into a servant, and we see a really, like, uh, a poor version of Lito, I feel. Yeah. Where he, he's just a different guy. Yeah, like, just, indifferent, like, hey, you. Yeah, uh, specifically disdainful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that disdainful way he talks to servants. When he's in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. But even so. <laughs> and he just walks out, and it's like, you, in there, immediately. And it's like, you're what? You're like, she's 20 feet away from Jessica, <laughs> and then he slams the outer door. <laughs> Before she can even walk in. Well, no, I, I, think I think that was the second like I, like the, I, I imagine he went he went through like an archway into like the outer room talked oh, to her and then slammed a door out there because we uh, were we were oh, in a great okay. hall I like to I just imagine he like shows the out and, like, get in there and slams the door before she can and the fact that it's, what like, a it's, jerk. it's just like a small old lady he does this too it's so <laughs> weird um, uh, just like no, uh, I I expected a higher degree of minimal respect from him yeah. with how it talks about how I, he treats I people mean, around him. I don't know. I think uh, for all the credit we want to give him, at, I mean, at its core, he is not just—he's not the nicest guy. No, no, he's just not. No, for sure, he is a leader. Yeah, he—he's a practical and uh, aggressive man. Yeah, but yeah, no, for sure. I just think we got—we got to definitely draw the line in the sand, and we shouldn't. Uh, idolize this guy as much as I think I thought I would initially. Right. We've met your hero. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We met your hero. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's, he's, he yells at people. <laughs> <laughs> he hurts feelings. <laughs> Mr. Leto can have an autograph. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it does, I guess, add a, a very real quality. To yeah. It. No, I do it enjoy that. Uh, no one is just sort of idolized and perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all have these moments of awfulness. Except and, for Gurney. Except for Gurney. <laughs> He already had his moment of awfulness, though. Yeah. He had to live through that. So this moment, we switch on to the second conversation in this chapter and the far more important one and probably the more exciting one, too. Oh, oh, just a moment, though, before then. Sure. I think there's a very important line in here that uh, will play into our our deep dive. Oh, oh, yeah. She does the painting. Yeah. Yeah. So she she looks at the painting and it's of uh, Leto's father, which we we know for sure. Um, in his middle years, 
probably about the same age that Duke is at right now. Mm-hmm. So you get that similarity there. Magenta cape flung over his left arm. Very ostentatious wine <laughs> <laughs> um, in his matador costume. And uh, it's got the same hawk-like features, that same gray stare. And it was those hawk-like features, I think, that like really made her sort of afraid of the Duke because he doesn't always have them. It was just sense accepting the... Uh, no, no, I, I would disagree with that. You think so? Yeah. No, no, let me read that again. No, no, just that the Atreides are always described as hawk-like. They're just birds. The f- yeah, they are. <laughs> they are just birds. The fear was in the driving man he's become since he bowed to the emperor. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I can uh, scroll right back to the okay, quote yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, please. I'm gonna flip around here. And uh, it was a sudden fear of him tightened her breast. He had become such a savage, driving person since the decision to bow to the Emperor's command. Huh. Okay. Yeah, wood smoke in the gray of his eyes, but the face was predatory. Okay, so yeah, I guess But his- I think the point that he's making there, so she's looking at the old Duke, and I think she is seeing Leto. I think, yeah. And well, then oh, for sure, for sure. But, but you're seeing him at the moment of his death. We don't know if that was the moment of his No, death. but he's in the Matador costume. He oh, died yeah. in the bullring. That's I mean, it's all reminiscent of that oh, one sure. moment in the old Duke's I life. I think I definitely misread the description of Leto in the first place. I took that. Did you read the Harkonnen sense. description? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I definitely uh, missed that part. But uh, but she she has that painting out, and uh, cur- that's when she curses it, right? Yeah, she like clenches her fists and just, damn you, damn you, damn you, sort of just yelling at this painting. Um, you think she, she hates the old Duke or does, doesn't like him? Well, we know that she never met the old Duke. Right. So then maybe the she... The old Duke died when Leto was like 16 or 23. I think 23. But maybe it's she sees a lot of... Uh... She seems to blame the old Duke for how Leto is. Right. Like, she mm. she sees a lot of him in yeah. Leto. Yeah. And maybe a lot of that, like, foolhardy, foolhardy pride. Right. Yeah. Um... And, but I, I don't know. It's weird because I also feel like a lot of the qualities that she uh, respects in Leto are also because of the old Duke and ingrained from him. Maybe. Just, like, I mean, I guess he only really had like the one parent growing up. Yeah, he did. Because so. Becca died during a childbirth. Right. Um, space Becca. Space Becca with a K. <laughs> <laughs> Spelt like space. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I it, her feeling is complicated, but I, I think it only can tie into, like, the influence the old Duke had on Leto, and she blames him for it. Right. Um, and, but I, I don't know what else she would expect, because I, I just think that all the things that uh, she kind of hates that Duke for, like, he wouldn't be the Duke if he wasn't that way. True. Like, True. He, I mean, like, he wouldn't have the Cavalier's Cross or be the Red Duke, for sure. He wouldn't inspire as many people as he yeah, does. Yeah, that, that loyalty that he's known for. Like, right. he is a legend in the Imperium. I think a lot of that has to do with, like, his ability, like, his willingness to, like, go into battle himself and on the front lines. Like, he does inspire people. To lead in the front and to um, uh, sort of not, uh, yeah, sort of like well, empathy where he's intentionally put himself at, like, second in command on that uh, the starship. Well, the empathy of it all, too. But, like, for sure, he, he, uh, he definitely throws himself into the fray. Like, you said he was trained as a matador at the very least. Mm-hmm. So finished his training finished. after El Marte. Oh, he fi- oh dang! Yeah. So he killed El Marte before he was fully fledged. Oh yeah, dang! He had to prove himself with his father's sword. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, for, even from a very young age, then he has been sort of assuming the mantle of you have to throw yourself into the danger. Mm-hmm. And for better or worse, I think sometimes what I mean, matadors are usually for entertainment, right? Yeah. Like it's a big spectacle. And so they're trying to like impress and please people. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe he does that a lot through like those raids that he goes on and like being in the front lines. And that's how he does like raise his station because he doesn't have a lot of money. He can't buy people's trust and power. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like a, uh, he took his father's showmanship and. And he weaponized it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Ooh. He kind of like elevated the art form then. Mm hmm. It's like it's even more dangerous than the Corita. Yeah, like it's, it's like- giant space bowl now. His name's <laughs> Vlad. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's like as good as we can kind of get for mm-hmm. like why she is cursing that painting. Yeah. Uh, and just being that. And while she's doing that, a little kind of person uh, waddles up beside her. And there's a little raisin of a woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the Shadow Mapes. Uh, Shout out to Mapes. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, and I, I do actually, I want to read uh, this description yeah, sure. to it because it was so uh, just dead on. Jessica World stared down at a knobby, gray-haired woman in a shapeless sack, sack dress of Bondsman Brown. The woman looked as wrinkled and desiccated as any member of a mob that uh, that had greeted them along the way from the landing field that morning. Oh, so that means they did get here this morning. We yeah, wanted, we I were, told you. Yeah, we were keeping an eye over that. Awesome. Before this, I was telling them that like they came here today, and you were unsure. I just yeah, I, I told did you. not catch that little mark. So awesome that it's there. Um, continuing, every native she had seen on this planet, Jessica thought, looked prune dry and undernourished. <sighs> Ugh. And Leto had said they were strong and vital. And there were the eyes, of course. The wash of deepest, darkest blue without any white. Secretive, mysterious. Jessica forced herself not to stare. Again, Bene Gesserit. That's got to be taking a lot. That's, that's got to be hard. <laughs> not to look this woman in the eyes. Um, but that is just quite the description of the person. This is the first Fremen we're meeting. Right. So I will tell you, this is not a city. Uh, this is like Fremen, Fremen. Straight desert folk. Right. Uh, so she is hardy as can be. And just, no, oh my God, nothing to her. <laughs> She's just a little skin and bones. Uh, 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 in the in the audiobook, it was, I, I don't know, she sounded so much stronger when I read it. But in the book, she's like got a very squeaky voice. And it's like ah. I, I, I like that. I think you need that squeaky voice, though, more than maybe what you kind of imagine. Yeah, I maybe. think it would... Every impression you would get looking at these people, you would underestimate them, but mm. then they have this like iron core at them. And uh, she greets Jessica saying, like, noble boar, you know, yeah. uh, what are your orders? Noble boar. <laughs> yeah. And Jessica has to remind her, like, I am not a noble born. And she starts kind of uh, highlighting There's more the salt in the wounds. Yeah, it really is. It's mm-hmm. another person. And, like, Jessica catches herself of just, like, she's very prideful at first when she says it. And she's like, what am I doing? I'm yeah. Doing, uh, the concubine. But this is uh, where you said uh, lovers. Oh, that's right. This is the one where uh, when Jessica says to it, um, she says, there is no... Uh, there is not, nor has there ever been. I am the Duke's only da da da, and she's a companion, the mother of his heir designate. Ah, uh, and I feel like that's the only other word that would have maybe slipped in there. Dang, so like I am the Duke's only mm, companion or concubine, but 
Uh, it's just a kind of a reality check moment where again, I think she has to confront this, uh, maybe something that's always on the uh, back burner when she was in Caladan, right. you know, like it was a concern, but it didn't come up enough that it was in her face. And now in this new home, like this idea that she is not the late, you know, the uh, duchess, so to right. speak. It's going to be uh, coming up again and again. But they, they get past it. And uh, this is where I feel like uh, the test begins. Because we know Mapes is here for a reason. Yeah. Not She's a inserted herself on purpose as an emissary almost. Mm-hmm. She's basically the, the Gaius from the first chapter. Kind of, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's she's some she's, like a, an almost a Bene Gesserit, Bene Gesserit equivalent to the uh, Fremen. Like there's something here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Mapes asks her a question. There's a wife then, and uh, it's, it's a sly questioning. Jessica catches. Yeah, uh, and that's when she tells her like, no, there's not, there hasn't been. And so I feel like Mapes needed to know that for whatever this um, prophecy is, has to do with whoever is the mother of that child. Oh, you think so? Mm-hmm. So she needs to kind of like pin this down, per, like, are you or are you not? Uh, for what it, um, for who Jessica is in this family. And I think getting the fact that there is no other was exactly what she wanted to hear. Um, then we get a, a little bit of a distraction uh, outside the window. You hear, Sue, Sue, Sue. It's gonna come up more often. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cool one. <laughs> so that's a, that's a, the phrase of the water cellar. And uh, Mapes kind of lets her, you know, like, you don't need to ever worry about water. This house has a big cistern, and there's 50,000 liters of water. Do they get that imported via Spacing Guild? Hmm. Where does the water come from? Uh, We have wind traps, uh, so we catch dew off of the uh, morning air. Okay. Uh, There are a few, like, clever ways to get little bits of water uh, recycled, kind of like a still suit of air from buildings, stuff like that. And then there's the small polar caps. We do ice mining. Okay. And uh, we bring it down. I think that is more – I did say, like, the smugglers bought the water in town. I think it's more from the polar caps they bring down than, like, um, the guild bringing water to this planet. Gotcha. Um, but it's just very expensive because the quantity is so small. Um, okay. And it's hard to get that resource. Uh, but nonetheless, the house cistern is always full. And the Atreides are never going to have to go looking for it. Uh, somebody goes about filling it for them. And the uh, Mapes comes back with, why, you you know, my lady, I don't even have to wear my still suit <laughs> He here. looks like down at her dress. She, but then she like, you know, like the cackling of, and me, not even dead. <laughs> like, oh my God. Because in the desert, you, the only time you remove your still suit is if you're dead, probably. Well, then you wouldn't remove it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you went out in the desert and you don't have your still suit on, you, you might as well be dead. Right, right, right. You're, you're committing well, I guess your... I did mean in the context of yeah. the desert. Probably not yeah. like the at order my of home. operations. I know what you're <laughs> getting ready up for on. bed. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah, there's, there's something to it. So the there's a life and death value to a still suit mm-hmm. is what that's really under underlining for us. Because it directly ties to the life or death value of water. Mm -hmm. Water, yeah, water even more so in that Mm -hmm. hierarchy. And that gets mentioned probably like four more times in this one. Right. It's really drilling into us how important this water is. And I think we're already starting to miss the rain now, too. (laughs) We are. It's only been one chapter. No. Just seeing that black sky. And uh, Jessica then kind of tells her, like, uh, this is where she meant, is this where she mentions that she knows, um, that shout out means uh, well dipper. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. 
Right. So she uh, kind of de- um, defines the word for her. That it's an ancient word, a very ancient word mm-hmm. that not a lot of people would probably know. Yeah. She, that, her title is one of the ancient languages. And uh, and Mapes yeah. asks, oh, you know, the ancient tongues then while well, waiting with a very odd intensity. And like t- this is another like I'm waiting for the right answer the right to proceed. Thing. And she comes back with tongues are at Bene Gesserit's first learning. I know the Botani Jib and the Chakobsa, all of the hunting languages. Now, Jessica, I like this little internal thing where she's like, she feels like she's playing a sham. Oh, yeah. She is playing. Like she, she is a charlatan. what's going on. This is the missionary protective's work going on. She's like, why do I play out this sham? Like, why do I even do this? Mm-hmm. And maybe like a little guilt in how caught up in it Mapes is. Yeah. Um, just like she is the committed one in this. It's like, oh, you're the destined one. It's like, no, honey, this was just, <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you think. Just a little game we play. <laughs> Every couple centuries or so. Uh, but Jessica, she leans into it, and I, I love this little monologue she kind of like gives out oh, yeah. uh, to the Shadow Mates. And she says, I know the dark things and the ways of the Great Mother. Uh, she said she read the more obvious signs and Mapes' actions and appearance, the petite betrayals. Then Jessica starts speaking into Copsa. Yeah, what does this mean? Because I didn't see it in the glossary. That you didn't uh, get any of them in the glossary? Then I don't got to worry about these showing up in the glossary game. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a second, <laughs> but uh, can continue. You're like, but I got <laughs> notes. Well, uh, this mic, I don't really have a full deep dive for us today. Okay. Uh, I knew this chapter was going to be pretty heavy with stuff, but I do got a little, a little side, little side route we can go down. Okay, no. And uh, I did tell you, I, I missed the article on Chakobsa for the fantasy bit. But in the encyclopedia? Yeah, in the encyclopedia. Oh, why? <laughs> really? I didn't think it would be in there. I don't think it was. <laughs> why? I, I got no excuse. I, I'm a hack and a fraud. Oh, no. uh, that's why. I don't you forget But it. I did find the real life version of Chakobsa. Oh. And we've, or I've alluded to this uh, a couple times now, talking about Leslie Blanche and the Sabres of Paradise book. Is this another thing that we're stealing from Sabres of Paradise? Yeah. Bar- oh. <laughs> yeah. Whenever we do uh, give Frank Herbert crap for a prejudice, um, I do say we are doing it tongue-in-cheek of, uh, we appreciate what he's layered into this book mm. to build this kind of universe. But um, I got two things for you. Okay. The language that Jessica speaks here, not Jacobsa. Oh, what, is, wait, what is this language? I believe this is gypsy. And this is specifically like, what she's reading is a, like a gypsy curse. Like, like a Romani. Roma? Yeah. Like uh, Eastern European gypsies. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Chakobsa first. Okay. So this is like the real life Chakobsa. Um, that area in the Caucasus I was telling you about, uh, that is the country of uh, Chechnya. Or if that's an area, that's uh, where I'm talking about. And the... Islamic prince that was there, his family had a secret language. That was Jacobsa. And it was literally like the noble bloodlines language that none of the peasants knew. And all of the business in the castle is done in that language. Really? All their trade, all of their internal things, um, any of their well, rituals. It's basically just an ancient cipher in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just gets so uh, disconnected from like the main core. Like it was probably a common tongue and then just got lost in time. And these mm. people are the only ones that keep it up. And so they used it as like a battle language. You could have conversations in front of people without them knowing and do all these things. Wow. Uh, and so there are a bunch of words that we're going to see throughout Dune that are taken from that language. Um, so uh, Conley, 
That's going to be one from Chacopsa. Oh. And that is uh, an old blood feud. Uh, blood feud. Um, one of the other ones, we haven't gotten to this yet, but the uh, word siech and the word tabar. Siech, I think I saw that somewhere. That, yeah. So that's going to be a, uh, it's like a Fremen hiding place. These big cave systems. Okay. And uh, in Dune, we're actually going to go to a place called Siech Tabar. Ah. Both of those are just words in Chacopsa that mean camp. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's a big camp for them. And so Camp Camp is the biggest camp. (laughs) Camp Camp. That's like going to Harco. Yeah. So uh, Frank does provide, uh, he gives a different uh, entomology to Siech. Okay. Uh, So Siech doesn't mean camp in this one. And uh, Tabor, I believe, is like a proper noun Mm -hmm. turned into things. So that was a cool little evolution of that. But that that is rooted uh, in the real world is, Mm -hmm. I think, super interesting. Now... The words Jessica actually speaks, Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are great. And uh, in a word, in a world before Google, never would have found this. So really? I don't know how Frank came across this, but uh, have you ever read the book Gypsy Sorcery and Fortune Telling? The answer is no. I'll <laughs> no. tell you right now. <laughs> so it's Gypsy Sorcery and Fortune Telling by Charles G. Leland. It was published in 1891. What were Charles's credentials on uh, gypsy fortune telling? Ooh, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I'll let you judge him after I tell you the gypsy curse I got in here. Oh, boy. So the book goes through several of them. Uh, this is about three quarters of the way in. I found this one that Jessica reads. And it actually even goes on beyond what she says. So she ends off at this thing that's like, Andro uh, trepera, trara chik buscacri, mieses paracri. And then it should keep going that, that on. That was very, very wonderful, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that sounded, sounded pretty good. I've said it a few times. Yeah. Uh, I can speak Chikapsa. <laughs> well, at least a sentence or two. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, then it should go on, and it's this uh, use of Andral over again. So Andral Parna, Andral Dumo, Andral Raka, Andral Kuna. And uh, when you go into the translation of those, it ends up being uh, evil be gone from thy belly. Drive away, she-goat's dung. <laughs> Evil from the belly, from the feet, from the back, from the eyes, from the ears. Newborn, be now, be thou, be thou, be mine. Wow, it's like a like a very angry baptism. Yeah, and uh, so what you do is you take your horse, as you would. Okay. You uh, have a collected pile of, she- of uh, she-goat dung. She-goat dung, okay. Uh, Because female goats, uh, they produce so much milk, they're just abundant in life. Uh, So you collect their dung, you dry it out, because you don't want to deal with wet dung, that's stupid. (laughs) Um, Turn into a powder. powder. Yeah, that's that's stupid. (laughs) Hey, uh, Charles G. Leland knows what he's talking about. Yeah, continue. So you take the poop powder, you, (laughs) you, you apply it in an even layer across your horse. You then proceed to the front of the horse. That poor horse. Oh, we haven't even started yet. (laughs) So up till now, I assume the horse has had a carrot, and he's just like, what are we doing today, Mike? And then you start covering him in powder, and he's like, what, Mike? (laughs) You come around to the front, and you start going like, Andra Praka, Andra Pa. You spit in his eyes seven times. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you can survive its hooves. (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, though, the ritual's complete, Mike, and you are immune to evil spirits. And you've got a pissed off horse. <laughs> or a very confused horse who is not sure if you love him or hate him. It's so weird. Um, so just think, like, I, so Frank, he went to the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. and he spent six years 
doing research. Like, <laughs> this is what we came up with. So at some point, he had to have known what that was because he copied it word for word. Oh, my it was gosh. Like, eh, no one's going to translate she dung. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so that's what Jessica says to this little woman. <laughs> that gets her on board. That's, that's my little Jacobsa. <laughs> If you're going to learn any Chikopsa, that's the phrase you got to know. <laughs> oh, so good. And uh, so Mapes takes a step backwards. Yeah, appears poisonably. She probably thinks she's going to spit in her face. <laughs> and um, Are there any horses on Arrakis? No. Well, she's out of luck. No, I mean, even Mapes uh, says, like, how how big the bull. She had never seen a bull before. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's that's a very right. new thing to her. Um, but Jessica is like, I know many things. I know that you have born children, that you have lost loved ones. You have hidden in fear and that you have done violence and will do yet more violence. And I love that's just like a good cold read of mm-hmm. like, I, you could probably say it to anyone on Arrakis and it'd cover most of them. Like, mm. there's no health care. You probably had to kill someone at some point. You're an old woman. You've definitely lost a child at some point. Mm-hmm. So all that hits pretty hard on Mapes and is just you're watching her just hit it out of the park. Uh, yeah, I mean, that she's... opening um, quote says like that union of uh, person and place has never been stronger. She's basically Sherlocking Mapes. Yeah, just like all the tiny details and putting it all together. Like, I know your life story. <gasps> yeah, just clogging each little the yeah. dog hair on her like ankle. Uh, and then she also knows that Mapes has a knife in her bodice. Yeah. And uh, there's a remote possibility that you could draw my life's blood, Jessica said. That's so threatening when she says that. It's like, I know you have the knife. You, There's a chance you could kill me. Yeah. It's like a very remote chance you could. Right, right. And then like, and, but in doing so, you'd bring down more ruin than your wildest fears for could imagine. There are worse things than dying, you know, even for an entire people. Uh, what is she even threatening here? Because that's know. insane. But I feel like through that whole threat was the like 100% you would die no matter what. Like, you might, that's you not might, what you have to worry about. It's just like, you might kill me. That could be good. Either way, you're going down and all your family will suffer this like catastrophic consequences. And I think that is just part of that Canto Respondu. Mm-hmm. Uh, those um, l- things that the pattern makers left behind where Jessica just knows to say the right thing. Right, because they have to learn so many different uh, keywords and like what to say when in whatever situation, wherever, uh, yep. they, whatever, uh, for whatever prophecies are left behind. They learn a measure of them and then some are actually even like uh, hypnotically placed in them. Oh, really? Yeah, she has access to a thing called the Adab and it is like a... Uh, sort of like a sleeper cell memory in her where like a certain word will just like awaken these thoughts. So it just sort of comes uh, preformed to the front of your mind of just this whole complex task you have to do. Um, But Mapes reveals a blade to her and uh, this weapon is a gift for if she had passed the test. Right, right. And Jessica lets her know. Or her means of death should she prove otherwise. And again, so this is the Bene Gesserit point. Jessica waited in the seeming relaxation that made the Bene Gesserit trained so terrifying in combat. That is intense. So her heart is probably, well, I mean, she's got it under control. Otherwise right. would be racing. And she is afraid a little bit at this moment, doesn't know what's going to happen, but just sits there with just the most tranquil expression. After telling her, like, death for an entire people. Like, that is crazy. Uh and uh, she's given this knife, and we see a Chris knife for the first time. 
Yeah. The blade seemed to shine and glitter with a light of its own. Like, yeah, like a milky white. Mm, milky white is a double-edged uh, blade like a kinjal, perhaps uh, 20 centimeters long. Mm-hmm. With a uh, really deep grooved uh, finger holds mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. And this is... Oh, there's got to be a cool picture of this out there. There are, yeah, a lot of great uh, art ones. Um, somewhere on Reddit, actually, currently, is a guy showing off a tattoo he has of it. Oh, really? Yeah, of a good uh, hand-drawn one. Yeah, you'll have to show that to me. I will. Uh, we'll, give you, we'll repost it for that. All right. Posting it around. Um, but we find out this is a Chris knife and that this has never been taken off world. They're only known as a rumor. Yeah, and... Uh... Obviously, Lady Jessica's never seen one, but apparently, like, no one's seen one. Yeah. No, at least they, if they did, they died. Right. That day. You don't live to tell about it. And Mapes does the real test now and asks her, does she know the meaning? Right. And Jessica's, and- <laughs> her mind starts spinning. She knows, like, okay, this is the question. This is why she's here. Mm-hmm. I have to come up with an answer, the right answer, and very soon. Yeah, and I lo- it seems like uh, this is sort of like when Paul's Mentat mind was going, where, yeah. like, clearly she kicks it up another level. Like, this is more important. Wait a second. And she's, like, looking and feeling things out. And uh, she defines the word. So what did, uh, what's the knife in well, Chikopsa? Uh, it is uh, Deathmaker. Deathmaker. And she gets very lucky here. Oh, she gets very lucky here. I, 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 there's there's a thing about coincidence in this universe. And I don't I don't know. Uh, everything here is a little bit preordained. So Jessica is also just perfectly matched to be in this moment. So I don't know. But yeah, no, I mean, like, I think it's just that uh, she's feeling it out. And yeah, she gets it just right. Uh, and I but I don't think anyone else could have. Uh, you don't think so? No, I mean, I think like it's saying with that first quote where we have Jessica is in the perfect place at the perfect time. I think because Guy is Helen Mahaya, maybe because she gave her that warning and she's had the panoply or the missionary protectiva kind of in the front of her mind. Maybe that's sort of dictating this. I don't think so. I also don't think that's what the, the quote was alluding to either. Uh, what one? In the, in the beginning of this chapter. Oh, OK. Is yeah. that what you were saying? Uh, kind of as a whole, just on a macro oh. of like, because this is this whole test she's giving her is a product of the missionary protective. Right. Yeah. Coming in and like meeting with Jessica. So that's uh, why I think it would tie into that. I don't know. I just I it feels yeah. like she got lucky on it. You think? You think yeah, I think this was totally like, I mean, granted, she used a lot of her skills to sort of pick up to, on well, the yeah, cues, to catch that first. But thing, I think but, that this part in particular, she actually just yeah, was so completely like, lucky. And like, you, you think this I mean, is uh, one in of, her mind, you even know, like. She's, you know, she's not infallible. Like, there's... Yeah, she wanted to say the next word. Yeah, yeah. she was going to say the next word, and then uh, Mapes just freaks out, like, oh, my God, she got yeah. it. And she, so she just gets out, maker. Yeah. Oh, which she... is, like, kind of interesting that even that, she was she was going to reorder the words it's to make it maker of death. of death instead of a death maker. Right, right, right. Uh, and in getting that out, yeah, uh, Mapes lets out this uh, wail of elation and kind of sorrow all mixed into one. And... Um, Jessica, her mind goes down this route of thinking about the Bene Gesserit that was dropped here so many centuries ago. Mm-hmm. And I like this little line uh, that made me think of you, Mike, where she goes, dropped in here, um, and says about like long dead almost surely. And I was like, <laughs> that is an interesting qualifier to put by that. I'm just saying. Yeah. 
Rogue Benny Gesserit on Arrakis somewhere. I, I don't know why you would you would not use the definite otherwise. Uh, so I think you might have something. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> one of the missionary or protectiva took a little uh, advantage or had to for the sake of whatever she was doing. Mm-hmm. But if they, that sounds like there's a chance that, that she could be up there, is really makes interesting. Me so happy. Uh, I don't. Did you catch that when you read? Yeah, I it? did. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very interesting <laughs> I want it to be true too <laughs> you're on board now <laughs> <laughs> you're winning me over <laughs> so um, Mapes takes that knife and she puts it back in the sheath and everything is all good and hunky dory right 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 uh, but no Jessica stops her no well no it's, it's before that oh she gives her a little advice you're yeah. right uh, and uh oh I love this too it's like did you she uh after she uh is holding the knife ready to use it. Uh, Jessica says, like, did you think that I would not uh, know of the maker? I who know of the mysteries of the great mother. And uh, I, I love how sobering uh, Mabe's response is. It's just like when you when you live with prophecy for so long, the moment of revelation is just a shock. <laughs> and I think that's just so true. You know, like um, a prophecy is just an idea someone had long ago mm-hmm. like in reality but like if it actually comes true and it's super complicated and super precise and it does happen that's kind of a oh my god kind of moment you just stop and you sort of start rethinking things and like what is reality and like does choice exist and like yeah. all these really deep thoughts kind of like a mix of like rethinking things and thinking about it for the first time actually, yeah where like it's always been this uh notion of what i would do versus like what i will do I don't, I just, I don't want to take away for how crazy of a moment this is for Mapes. Yeah, yeah, like, don't let that be lost yeah. on you. Uh, no, that is a really good point. Uh, I don't think I appreciated that as much, and I think I can go a little more where you don't necessarily appreciate the full scope of the prophecy she's talking about. Yeah, because I don't really know it. So, like, uh, maybe, yeah, always remember back to this reaction, mm. uh, and you're going to learn the whole breadth of what she's talking about, but this is just the one part. Uh, she is here specifically for the Fremen. Uh, Mapes has another job, uh, and she does go out, and she's uh, from the desert people, like I said. She's mm-hmm. not part of the city. So right. we'll, uh, we'll get to go a little more of her backstory. Uh, she shows up in a couple extra chapters. Oh, cool. Uh, so cool. that's why I didn't want to do it today, uh, but I want to give her the light of day when it does come to her. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, so she tells her that this is an unfixed blade, my lady. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. What does that mean exactly? Uh, just that it's uh, it's all carved from a tooth. Like there's no handle. Uh, it's just one piece. Oh, it's like all and then carved into a thing. It's carved. Oh, from so a, even even the uh, the grooves of the handle. That's all yeah, like, like carved that's from like when they were deep. It's uh, like the root of the tooth. Or mm-hmm. yeah, so like that's the same uh, material as that blade. And um, she lets her know that keep it near you, more than a week away from flesh, and it begins to disintegrate. It's yours, a tooth of Shia Halud, for as long as you live. Tooth of Shia Halud. Now I have a theory here, Derek. Yeah. Um, This blade is 20 centimeters long. Yes. The, can you guess how big the largest tooth we found on earth is? 28 centimeters. 17. Wow. It's from a Megalodon. Uh Uh-huh. Megalodon is probably like 40, I think it's like probably 30 or 40 yards. Um, that's a big creature. Now that's just the blade. This you said it's unfixed or fixed or unfixed. 
Well, and they grind it down to so get this. Yeah. This was much bigger. This isn't including the handle in the blade. You never include the size of the handle when you talk about a blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is much bigger than that. Is it from a worm? Um, it says it's a tooth of Shia Halud. Is that okay? Is Shia? <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's my next question, though. Yeah. Is Shia Halud a Fremen word for worm, or is it like a mist, like a great mysterious being? Shia Halud is, um, I believe, the word for devil. 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 Yeah, it's actually, I think, the word for devil in Islam. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, now that's making me rethink everything. Yeah. So it's definitely an animal for sure, because it's yeah. a tooth. It's it's a tooth. So is there anything like, else on Arrakis besides kangaroo mice? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's <laughs> I don't think it's a mouse tooth. <laughs> the adult version of the kangaroo mouse. No. Yeah. <laughs> How big do they get, Derek? Uh, That's what the storm is. It's just a giant no, no, mouse. No, I mean, uh, I, I'm dancing around, but I will tell you, uh, you know, it is a it's a sandworm tooth. That is so dope. Yeah. Uh, just because I mean, that's still there's still a lot of mystery there. Right, right, right. How'd they get it? <laughs> how many teeth did they have? I wonder. Ooh, I mean, think of how big they were. Hundred. Yeah, uh, like we, we ended up with uh, four hundred meters. Four hundred meters. That was it. Yep. Couple couple city blocks. Oh man, tooth is huge. That's crazy. Um, but very unique, I guess. Uh, so we're saying that if it's away from your body for a week, it dissolves for some reason because it needs moisture. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it must be moisture, actually. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. What else? The same it? way that they uh, have to... Uh, well, I mean, it's the only thing of value on this planet. Right. Thematically for the book, I think right, it right, makes right. sense on such a level. And yeah. they have to bleed it before, like, sheathing it or something like that. Uh, that, I think, is a cultural thing. Oh, maybe. Uh, where, uh, yeah, so that was where I was kind of skipping to, but uh, we'll make sure we have everything before we get down. Yeah, to no, I, was just, I wanted to hit that question before we got too far uh, ahead. But yeah, yeah. So it's going to be hers as long as she lived. Like, I also don't think um, it's not tied to Jessica's lifespan. That, I think, is just a sort of a, a cultural or a ritualistic kind of way to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, there isn't a transfer of blades. Okay, gotcha. Uh, your blade is your blade. Uh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I think you have, I think the water thing is dead on, and that makes total sense. Yeah, for the this. fact that it disintegrates, though, after a week of not being on a person. Or not being what against your flesh is that against what it was? Your, yeah, yeah, against your flesh, so, touching you, like touching something. I feel like it does like have to suck in moisture or something. Yeah, no, like no, that. I think your entire like the sucking in moisture is yeah. I think she does mention something about that, like a mutation to like uh, contain. No, uh, we talk about the coagula- fast coagulation. No, no, no. Um, oh yeah, never mind. You're right. Yeah, that's the mutation in this one. Uh, we've had a lot of mutations sprinkled throughout the book so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they keep coming up, uh, mainly with the spacing guilt, but. Um, so like we were saying, Mapes starts to sheath that one Mm -hmm. and Jessica, she takes a risk. This is a little bit of a roll of the dice here Mm -hmm. and tells her like, Mapes, you've made a mistake. You've put that away unblooded. And, uh, I don't have Mapes' exact response. With a gasp, Mapes dropped the sheath sheath knife into Jessica's hand. Tora opened the brown bonus, wailing, take the water of my life. I love it. Now, we should pause for a second and look around the great hall we're still in. <laughs> I don't think there are a lot of people here, clearly. There's a bull's head on the ground, the Duke's portrait looking at us all while we're doing this, and this little tiny raisin is on the ground saying, take me, just kill me. So this is what you meant by we're going to stab our first Fremen. This is now, Derek, you lied to me. This is my, Mike, I always lie. Uh, I also <laughs> told you that my, or there was mind control. 
I just like to mislead you. Oh, that's just. I, I don't ever want you. I to don't know, know what to trust anymore. Just wait till I tell you about next chapter. <laughs> uh, but this is uh, this gamble works out, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Mapes <laughs> gives her the blade, sprawls over. Jessica takes it. She uh, brings the point to her, and this is really key. Where she directed the point towards Mapes saw a fear greater than death panic come over the woman. Right, right. Poison in the point? Jessica wondered. And then she goes and she gives her a little scratch. Just a tiny little nick. There's no poison in the point. But the, it uh, bleeds uh, for a moment and then immediately coagulates. So what was she so afraid of? Oh. Okay, so, wait, okay. Now this is Mike theory talk because this is... All I have to go on. Uh, I wish we had theme music for that. Oh, da, 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 <laughs> da, 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 da. it's like it's like the nightly news kind of yeah. like really fast. <laughs> oh, it's like, you know, I said uh, Lido was a little bit of a conspiracy guy. <laughs> yeah. you, you and Lido could have your own little corner together. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I got to come up with a name for that. That's just wonderful. <laughs> but uh, all right. So it's unfixed. It draws or the theory is that it draws moisture from like the skin contact. And that's what keeps it from disintegrating. If so, if you were to be stabbed by that and this thing draws moisture, it wouldn't just like leave an incision, but it would probably draw upon your blood <laughs> and like really, like really turn you into a raisin at that uh, point. Okay, well, I, I love what you're taking this knife to be. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you've taken the absorption qualities of the knife too far, though. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not, not that. That is kind of cool, though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like even the idea that the coagulation had something to do with yeah. the knife almost uh, is interesting. But they, they are separate. Um, the moisture quality of the knife is tied to the uh, biology of the sandworm, meaning I can't really tell you about okay, it. Okay, so I, I don't know enough about their biology then to yeah, make that um, assumption. But no, that that is a cool idea that like it would like that just sounds just, terrifying. Or even or maybe even have a different effect on like an off worlder. Remember I told you like uh, their water content is different. Right. Like once you adjust. And she's got, you know, a bunch of spice in her system because it's in the air and everything. So maybe mm-hmm. it does affect her differently. Now, but what I think she is very deathly afraid of is just losing body water. That is the most important substance. Mm. It has religious value. Um, you should also know that's not her water is not her own. Wait, what? Your water, your body's water belongs to the tribe. What? When you die as a Fremen, they take you down to a place called a death still. Oh my God. And we take all the water out of your body because it's, I mean, well, it's, it's a waste. Otherwise it's life. It is literal life. And it is part of their, it's, I mean, we cremate people. True. That's a waste, though. That's what? Cremating her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, that's what we do. Yeah. As, like I said, they are at least doing a very purposeful thing, mm-hmm. and then they honor the remains still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is just sort of like this open understanding that water is not private property. Water is essentially public property. You have, uh, they keep track of it individually, mm-hmm. so it is like a currency among them, but it's always pooled together, and they have one big cistern. So mm-hmm. I think that is where Mapes Fear comes from where this is just something so precious. Even, uh, you know, she remarked about being outside of her still suit. That is a death sentence to her. Right. You know, she does it in this house because that you can do it in this house. But otherwise, it's not accepted in the Fremen. Um, That's got to be really weird, too, because if 
a still suit's supposed to recycle water, right? That's sort of a, what we've established. Yep. It's gonna take all your sweat, uh, everything you exhale at your breath, and just sort of recapture it. So, more for all intents and purposes, even just being out of her still suit, she's kind of just wasting. Yeah. Water. Uh, yeah, especially to her like perception. any perspiration, like yep, yeah, yep. Uh, so the inside the house does capture it. Uh, like all the air is circulated in the house. Uh, so it is like reclamated. Like uh, even the Fremen when they are in Siege, they'll take off their still suits. Okay. Uh, because they'll seal everything up though, and they make sure okay. you don't lose anything. But like the moment you go outside, everything's covered. Okay. Okay. And you are back suited up. Um, but I, I just thought that was so that death panic coming over her. Uh, of highlighting. And then she gets a little scrape. That scrape whoop, seals right up. Uh, and that is just a genetic mutation of them living on this planet or maybe from that dehydration process that they've all been <laughs> undergone for so long. Uh, that was really interesting. And then uh, we get the another set of what I'm just going to call Chris Knife rules from Mapes. She is just handing them out. You got to keep it near you. You got to do this. Well, uh, yeah. Um... And it starts with uh, some of the people unloading boxes outside, make a bunch of noise. She's like, ah, she like hides the knife as quickly as she can. Yeah, yeah, she like hides it in Jessica's bodice yeah. too, which I like. Uh, that is uh, probably very foreign for her, just having someone get up in her personal space. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I will help myself, thank you very much. Right, right, right. And shoves this in and just, who sees that knife must be cleansed or slain. What does that mean, cleansed? Um... I think that is the um, because I told you they had like the religious cultural connotation for beyond Dune, like um, within the Arab uh, society for knife Um, on the front of my biography for um, Lawrence of Arabia. It says the knife means the knife. The knife also means cleanliness and death. And I think the cleanliness is going to be like a. I, I don't even know because I, I the a violent thing kind of still comes to me where like you're cutting away something like uh don't they like cut away the fat of a meat or something uh I mean you can yeah I I mean like isn't like a, an almost like kosher kind of uh, process of making like a meat religiously clean I I don't know I can't speak on I, that. I think I think I'm speculating wildly but that is a kind of ritualistic baptism almost okay uh, like bring them into the fold or kill them. So like uh like okay I would say Mates has cleansed Jessica in giving her that knife. Gotcha. She passed that test. She's been okayed. Okay. Uh, and specifically Mates, uh, she says, um, "You are ours to Jessica," which I thought was interesting. Uh, when she like gives her that knife, I don't think. Yeah, I didn't get the pull the exact quote up, but. Uh, she tells that, you know that, my lady. And I love Jessica's line in her head. She goes, I know it now. <laughs> <I do> now. <laughs> now. See, that's what I mean by she got lucky. It's like, she's just sort of like playing this as it lies. She's she's a professional athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. It's like, of course I do. <laughs> and uh, Mapes kind of composes herself. Uh, is sort of after the boxes all crash down. And the uncleansed to have seen a Chris life may not leave Arrakis alive. Never forget that, my lady. You've been entrusted with a Chris knife. She took a deep breath. Uh, this is the line I think I meant. Uh, and then now a thing must take its course. It cannot be halted or it cannot be hurried. I want to learn more about this knife and its origin because, like, it is very important to them. They, yeah, we're we're gonna get a lot of Chris knives. How many how many Chris knives are there? Oh, how many Fremen are there, Mike? 
If you can uh, answer that question, I can answer yours. And uh, if you can't, I don't have to. <laughs> Damn it. So wait, so every Furman has a Chris knife. Uh, I, I think it's like a, um, uh, kind of like uh, once you become an adult. So, well, for them, that's going to be oh, like, so like 10 a- or 11 probably, but a coming of age, so to speak. <laughs> so right, a passage almost. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I think you earn your Chris knife and from that point Oh, on. do you need to like get the material for your Chris knife? Like you have to like fetch your own tooth kind of thing? How do you get a tooth from a giant worm? That can't be easy. No, yeah, yeah, you definitely wouldn't have to get your own tooth. I don't think everybody's felling, <laughs> there a, you go, felling a sandworm. Like. <laughs> go get it. <laughs> what a waste. That. They're, they're not wasteful people. Um, it's probably a pragmatic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt they would like hunt. So I don't even know if they could. We'll figure it out. I mean, like, I, I don't think you'd hunt a giant four me- what four hundred meter long worm for a single tooth. That I bet, I bet, ma- I bet Mapes could. <laughs> you think Mapes could? I, I think she could. What do you know about Mapes that I don't? Because <laughs> I don't think I don't a see lot. it. I read her article. <laughs> uh, now Mapes, like Jessica did earlier to the Duke, mm-hmm. she does that internal voomp and just switches topics like nobody's business, mm-hmm. and just starts going like, "Oh, what, what should I do with these boxes? Are these the ones I'm taking up?" And goes right back to where their conversation started. And they're kind of like just playing it up as people start coming into the room now. Uh, so this whole awkward scene has passed unnoticed, I guess. But now there are other people around. And uh, Jessica hesitated. And the thing must take its course. This was a specific catchphrase from the, manif- uh, from the Missionaria Protectiva's stock of incantations. The coming of the Reverend Mother to free you. But I'm not a reverend mother, Jessica thought. And then, great mother. They planted that one here? This must be a hideous place. Now, an uneasy feeling starts building in Jessica. So, great mother, that's a specific incantation. And those incantations are basically those, like, keywords. Is that right? Yes. So, great mother is one of them. And, um... She explains they planted that one. So, what does Great Mother have in? Uh, I oh, I have a, I have two feelings on this actually. Okay. Um, I think it might be, and then Great Mother as a exclamation, they planted that one here again, referring back to the previous mentioned. The things must take its course. Right. Because or did we mention Great Mother? I don't think Mapes said Great Mother. No, Jessica did. J- just Jessica did. So. Mm-hmm. So obviously they like I don't think she's saying that they plant a great mother here is what I mean. Oh, so you think it's the uh whatever she was reading out of that test that uh Mapes provided her? See, I thought great mother might be like uh sort of akin to reverend mother like Right. Uh oh, but actually um uh not so much with the Fremen they have a reverend mother and they use the word reverend oh, mother. Oh, so reverend mother is an actual term used here. Yeah, uh, Even, that... it's not the same thing at all. No, um, no, but it was um, that Bene Gesserit that planted uh, the that. Pa- the pattern maker. It right. was her. Uh, so it oh, is, she. Oh, yeah. Oh, she was a Reverend Mother, probably. Then she was the Reverend Mother of their Reverend Mothers. Uh, oh man! But at this point, yeah, I would say it is distinctly different from a Bene Gesserit Reverend Mother. Damn. Uh, is that that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That's yeah. wild to think about. That's weird, though. So, uh, Mapes. It's, uh, she's she's got the goal of like you're gonna go hang the bowl in the portrait then, and uh, she's looking at this bowl and like, well, I guess I gotta clean these horns then. <laughs> like, uh, no, <laughs> no, we we covered this last time, so that's not dirt. That's right, right, some right. blood. 
And this is the only reason I know the bull was not killed immediately after the bull killed the duke. Right, right, right. Which makes absolutely no sense. So they took this live bull and slain the duke. <laughs> somehow Sorry. calmed it down enough to spray adhesive on its horn. We shellacked its A little bit of horns. lacquer. Yeah. Uh, and then put him back in the barn. Until what a confused animal. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Did I win? Am I free? <laughs> Uh, only to be killed <laughs> later that week by uh, Duke Leto. Uh, Mapes is uh, no stranger to blood, though. And this is why I don't think that death panic was about her, like, getting scraped. Because mm-hmm. she sees blood, and she's like, "Yeah, I blood, you think I've never seen the body's water before? And she calls it the body's water. That's super critical. And uh, Jessica asks if Mapes is going to need help. Mm-hmm. Now, doubling all the way back to when Leto said there was a vitality to them. Yeah. This is the vitality I think there is a mate. So we've described her as a raisin of a woman. Yep. She is going to take a bull's head that I picture, honestly, is about equal size to her. Right, right, And right. abort her. And she's like, I can hang this on the wall. I don't need <laughs> anybody's like, help. I'll manage. She's <laughs> like, I'm sure you will. She's <laughs> like, how are you going to do this? <laughs> but she's got it. Um, Then uh, Jessica kind of... <laughs> thinks back to the long line of Bene Gesserit scheming that has formed a chain to this moment, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is great. And it's very similar to that long line of unbroken memories that the Reverend Mother has, Mm -hmm. where like all these women unknowing of each other have made the way for each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just to know that that let Jessica live, like she would have been murdered otherwise. It's the Fremen in particular, though, that made this particular instance of the Protectiva Missionaria so perfect because no other uh culture that had been uh induced into this uh uh prophecy planning um had taken it as well and been as prepared for it as the fremen have been Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of cool and that does set up sort of the idea of like perfect scenario in like every case of this story Right, uh, with the exception of the Bene Gesserit plan to get us here. <laughs> yeah, well. The, you know. uh, yeah, that was the one wrench that was thrown Couple in. Couple hiccups. I never said it was perfect. Yeah. No, you I actually, just said it was perfect. <laughs> you might have just My wine said glass is empty and we're out of wine in the bottle, so. It's a good try to <laughs> slide past that one. Do we have any one. more bottles? No. Uh, okay. Yeah, not, not on hand anyway. Oh, dear. Um, so this we're getting close to the end, though, mm-hmm. and uh, Jessica... Like I said, she's had an off day all day. She's mm-hmm. been pulling out her Bene Gesserit skills just to get through it, cover her emotions and any points of weakness she feels. But it's almost like there's a sense of urgency and foreboding building in her, and it's too much to bear at this point. And she just gets this feeling like, I need to see Paul right now. And she turns, she starts to walk out of the hall, she starts to walk a little faster out of the hall, starts to go a little bit faster to the point where she is almost running out of this place. And we throw back and go back to Mapes. She's sort of there. And Mapes gets the, the last laugh in this chapter. And it says, behind her, Mapes paused in the clearing, the wrapping from the bull's head, looked at the retreating back. She's the one, all right, she muttered. Poor thing. That is where our chapter ends. Pretty intense. This little bit where... I honestly feel like we had two Reverend Mother, or not two Reverend Mothers, two Bene Gesserit talking to each other. It kind of feel that way. Like there's a sense of development within mates uh, where at least she was the one qualified to administer this test. Mm -hmm. 
I think uh, my my feeling from this last part with Jessica is uh, same as Paul's terrible purpose. That's what it feels like to me. Just that, like yeah, that she doesn't no, have any minutia, anything feeling. to like pick up on. Just her own feelings, mm-hmm. intuition. But like, yeah, her own intuition. Um, this could now, also be uh, she's in that pressing. I was about line. to say she's Wait, in the pressing slide. Right, you're learning, so, like. Uh, it just makes sense. And in the beginning of the chapter, they say that like it is now like widely considered uh, and thought that Lady Jessica had way more latent ability than we initially thought. Yeah, she was underestimated. Like, right? Yeah, not even just like underestimated, like greatly or grossly. Grossly, yes. yes. Underestimated. So like Lady Jessica's got a lot of uh, insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, that totally leans into like how she passed that test. And you're saying kind of luck. And... I don't even think she's aware of it, though. No, no. Well... Or maybe aware of its origin, I should yeah, say. Yeah, I think she's aware of it after the fact. Because it right. seemed like when she said maker, she's like, oh, I got something right. <laughs> like, I don't know okay. what I did, but I did something. And yeah, she sort of feels it out. She has a great, um, I'm going to just kind of hark back to like, of like a resonance frequency. Like she can just find that and it gets on this right path through mm-hmm. the whole moment. Yeah, and that's really amazing. So, but I, yeah, no, that felt like that was our first clue that like she also has some sort of pressing ability. Not the same as Paul's, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um. She definitely has something there. Yeah, I mean, Paul's is almost uh, wild, it feels like. I mean, he's still young and growing. Like I uh, was saying, Lady Jessica is, you know, probably about a third or halfway into her life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very refined. She's gone through all this kind of training yeah. and, yeah, been hammered in. Um, Is there anything else you got to uh, macro-wise on this chapter? Because certainly I want to double back to yeah. uh, the bowl and the portrait. Actually, yeah, that's the only thing that I want to touch on that, at this that's point. That's your lingering? And we, we, I mean, like, during this retelling, we did skip on one important piece that I thought was super... Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it? Before, um, let's go to that before the bowl. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of uh, leaving yeah, the bowl Yeah, just, the like, end. get into that conversation. Um, she tells Mapes, uh, first thing to do... Uh, take the portrait and the bull's head and put them in the dining hall, put them on opposite sides of one another. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, do I have to clean this? And then blah, blah, blah. We don't talk about like, you don't have to clean it. It's blood. Uh, says, uh, which side do you want them on? And Lady Jessica says, doesn't matter. Or I don't care. It literally does not matter. But she did make sure she said they have to be facing each other no matter what. So I think that that's important. Yeah. And uh, when we're going into the sim. Symbo- uh, the symbolism symbology. of all the symbology <laughs> the symbolism oh, that, uh, that one scene yeah. from, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you're going into that um i definitely think that we should keep that in mind as well because that's a detail that we didn't skimp on sure so highlighting this whole kind of thing with the bowl tab yeah this is what i got okay <clears throat> excuse me what we have is a basic analogy to the situation we're in now but with the old dude so if you take the Corita, is going to be Arrakis, the whole arena. Mm-hmm. The Duke is the Duke. The bull is the trap. Okay. And what you have in the old Duke is he intentionally walked into a place where he could die to put on a show. Okay. And it cost yeah. him his life. He knew the risk going in, just like the Duke Leto knows that he's walking into a trap. But he thinks he can win. He thinks he can make it into something for himself. You know, parlay this into a greater victory. And I think that's kind of what Jessica is seeing here, being reminded of uh, unconsciously. 
is that the Duke, where, again, she's afraid of him. He's been this driving force. He's not going to do anything else. He's going into the ring. He's going to fight this bull. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she is just deathly afraid that this bull is going to gore him and that we're going to have another, like, head mounted on the wall Mm -hmm. or another portrait to (laughs) it. Duke Leto's head. Well, no, it'd be it'd be the Baron's head, I guess, in this analogy. Um, but another portrait of another dead Duke uh, from a bygone time. Um, so that's what I think that is representing uh, the mm-hmm. whole, where it's just this big analogy of the situation we're in now. Oh, no, definitely. I agree with that. When that his father, where it was so obvious what he was walking into, and that, that is where the Duke, where everyone has told us along the way, don't go, you know, you're dead. There's no hope for him. Like, this mm-hmm. is all a foregone conclusion. As a greater whole, I think in general, Duke Leto probably just does that day to day anyways. Like he always goes into the dangerous situation. Like that's how he was raised. Um, I think so, but I think there's a matter of preparation and insurance. So let's look at that. Um, when he went to the planetary assault on, oh, I can't remember the planet's name, but they were in orbit of it. He reviews that plan mm-hmm. and decides to pull out of it. Of just like this is not worth the risk. Like I can see these kind of things. Okay, that's fair. So because he's not foolhardy. Well, he's, he's not. He's, I no, no. I don't. I don't think he would take a careless risk. He wouldn't t- not take a risk. So he's taking. The, he thinks that he can beat this, and he thinks that the the risk is worth the reward in the end. Well, this is the one situation where he didn't have a choice. I think he was. Pushed. No, he had a choice. I could have just gone off into no, two okay, okay, but to be fair, the choice was like give up entire it isn't like not a very it isn't like take one defeat but still be the duke atreides it's give up everything your family has built for what we know to be thousands of years Mm -hmm. and run away like a coward so i think that is an unfair one to put on an equal level to like walking into a battle he might lose okay uh it's like not uh equal on that level but yeah i I, I think it's just that he, he could see it. He knew all the parts of this trap. But there wasn't any other option that you could honorably take. So, in hanging in the dining room, it is a reminder of constantly staring death in the face. Ooh, okay. So that's a different side of the personality. That one, I don't know if I have an answer for you on, but... So why the Duke wants... Well, I guess he says like uh, ancestral dignity. Yeah, I don't know why he insists on them being in the... uh, Well, maybe because he killed that bull. There is a semblance of his power as Duke came from that series of events. Then why have the portrait if you just need the bull for that? No, that series... The power specifically went from the Duke to the bull to the Duke. The Duke kill, or the bull killed the Duke. The ducal heir of uh, Mitaurus was yeah, the yeah. bull. He was for a for a brief week. That was our Cyrodar Duke, El Muerte, El Muerte Atreides. Uh, no, but I, I think maybe that is uh, what it, that kind of that flow of uh, one revenge and just like making right for his family mm-hmm. again. Um, maybe having the one person who has wronged his family mounted on a wall. I, I love the thought of uh, calling out the Imperium. Like, you want to call Conley on what? <laughs> <laughs> you need a judge of the right for who? <laughs> Shaddam would have sent it, though. <laughs> I bet he would have. He would have yeah. been totally. He might have even insisted. <laughs> no, we're doing this right, Lido. <laughs> I got your back. 
I am convening the entire Landsrad. That's just ridiculous. Just bringing out more data court. I love that we know this bull so well. Yeah. Better than some, better than Dr. No, we know Dr. Yui, but better than Duncan Idaho. We know the bull so far. That's a good one. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, no, I just thought that was interesting. The placement that that was what's important. Yeah, but not the side. Yeah, just like, yeah. It doesn't matter if they're in the same room, as long as they're... I also I, I did make a note of um. This was I like I said. It took me a while to kind of reach that conclusion that it was an analogy for um the previous uh, Duke's. Life. Well, I definitely got the the um the analogy there that like the old Duke Minotaurus was younger in his years. He was about the same age that uh, Duke Leto is now, and you could see that a lot of the same features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but beyond the same, the fact that it was like him walking into an intentional thing to put on a show. Yeah, I think, no. I think is like, oh, it was kind of new to me. But uh, before that, I was caught up on just the fact that you have uh, the murderer and a victim looking at each other in a room. It's an interesting like and very dark uh, kind of thing to set up. Now, from what perspective are you thinking? With the bull and the duke. What about Leto and the bull? Uh, I, I guess at that point, uh, I didn't know Leto had killed the bull at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that Yeah, that was news. I, I honestly, I assumed out of, again, like I think any rational person, I assumed I guess everyone we, I in guess, the bullfight killed the bull. Well, I guess we still don't know, or the uh, the average reader wouldn't know if they didn't have the Dune Encyclopedia. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You would assume, like I did, that they would just have killed the bull for, <laughs> right. <laughs> for killing the Duke. Right. So uh, I I think your way is probably better. I think I've got a uh, a uh, kind of a skewed uh, yeah. version of history. You got a better version of history. <laughs> well, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? As you know you what? Slam down that, your empty glass. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to pick up on the mic. <laughs> um, that is, uh, I think, all I got uh, to go through for this week. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. That was a fantastic chapter, though. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that a lot. El Morte. I just, I never saw him coming. (laughs) (laughs) Neither did the old Duke. (laughs) 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 Well, you know what else the old Duke didn't see coming, Derek? Oh, what didn't he see coming, Mike? It's a glossary game! (laughs) What were the odds? Oh, man. Um, Yeah, last week we tied it up. 7-7. 7-7. Seven, seven. What were last week's words, actually? Uh, last week's words, so... It's been a long few we days. We kind of had some, two bonus words in addition to our normal two. So the one that I asked you was spotter control. Oh, yeah, and that was that was a good easy one. Right, and we brought it up again this time. It's the light ornithopter in a spice hunting group charged with control of watch and protection. And uh, there was also uh, Tahadi Alberan. And that is... I just want to make sure I still remember... That is like a essentially a battle, usually to the death, like a challenge or an ultimate test. Yeah, it's not necessarily a battle; it is some sort of trial where you, you have you have the potential to die, though. Exactly. Uh, so it's like you're always putting your life on the line. Well, not just like uh, the potential; it's like usually because it brings death. <laughs> Classic Fremen. Uh, ultimate test from which there is no appeal. Um, and yeah, so we got a one on one on that. Tied us up. Um, the words before then in our lost episode, which was tragic. Mm, yeah, I still uh, get reminded of that every day. Um, I still have nightmares. Yeah, uh, thank you. 
<laughs> but uh, we asked everyone else. The words were Empoleros and Taqua. And Empoleros, I just thought was a fun one. And this is the one that I actually stumped you on. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. That is out of left field. It is super simple. <laughs> it is. It's uh, just... And yeah. I just want to say, that's the other one. If you, you got to catch this when it comes up in the book. Okay. Because it will fly right past right, you. Right, it's just like, like, a, like throwaway a flying Dutchman, sentence. if you will. Okay. Wow. And that's exactly what it is. It is the legendary flying Dutchman of space. <laughs> of space. <laughs> that, and Polaros, that's a space name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With Captain Becca? Oh, yeah, yeah. With Captain Becca. <laughs> Becca with a K. Uh, Takwa was our second word, and that literally just translates to the price of freedom. And you nailed it. And it goes really good with the uh, Tahari Alburin. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like um, the time I remember that being used is um, it's in the next book, and they're kind of pushing this character, and she says, like, whatever it takes, what's the Takwa? And just like, I will do it. Like, Dang. she is willing to sacrifice everything at that point to get what yeah. she needs. And, uh, yeah, no, it says uh, something of great value, that which a deity demands of a mortal, and the fear provoked by the demand. So Fear provoked by the demand. That's cool. pretty great. I love that little extra bit there. I don't think I knew. That was, that was for Takwa? Yeah. Okay, the fear, that part I didn't know. Mm. The fear invoked by the demand. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so those were the bonus words. Uh, we counted it towards our current score of 7 to 7. If anyone got that at home, then awesome on you. Give yourself a pat on the back. Ooh, Pour yourself a glass of wine and celebrate with us. Ooh, more so the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got two new words. I actually had to change one of these uh, because I came up with these words last week. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, like, right, for the listeners' sake of it, you end up uh, prepping that before you read the chapter. Yeah, I did. And that was a really big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so what you, what'd you choose that you had to scrap? I had uh, to <laughs> I'm just like, oh, we go over this a bunch. You're like, well, maybe Derek doesn't know that much. So I like, I just sort of shy, so, like coyly ask you like, hey, Derek, what can you tell me about your coat? It's like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> go into like this big a, rant. I throw it on a, like a pad of paper. Just yeah, like, I'm just like, mm, the file I got on Jacobsa. That's great, Derek. Let me just go ahead and change some things. <laughs> so is, that one's done. We're not using that one. But I got uh, two new ones here for you. That's good. Oh, you know what? That's that sad though. It takes away from our total of usable words. <laughs> Just a little bit. You know what? I wasn't going to be able to use it at all after okay, this, regardless. Okay. Felt like it was totally. Forgotten. I had to use it in chapter one or not at all. <laughs> uh, two words on this one. Um, first one, I feel like you won't get. Okay, that's my good second word, one. Though. I feel like you will get. <laughs> <laughs> and normally those are reversed. Yep. But... <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> First one is fan metal. Fan metal? Fan metal. Spelled exactly how it sounds. One word. Oh, that is like deceptively <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> okay, Mike, I'm going to, this is a new one. I would like to go to the second word and come back to the first <laughs> word. Phone a friend. I thought you were going to phone a friend or call uh, for 50 50. I'm going to call this one by sometime. All right, cool, cool. Uh, let's Fan the, metal. I'll give you a little bit of time on that one. The Thank you. The second one is Stunner. Okay. I think I can do Stunner. I think, uh, yeah, I had a feeling you might get Stunner. Okay, so Stunner, um, oh, wait. Can I do Stunner? <gasps> I might mix it up because um, I think our uh, Dear Betrayer is going to use a Stunner. <gasps> but I can't remember if there is a ranged version of it or if I'm just confusing the, like, the Mola pistol. Okay. Um... So I'm going to go with, 
I'm, I'm going to go with ranged. Okay. And is it like a small kind of pellet pistol that shoots an almost like tranquilizer or an electric kind of stunner that will like knock, render one unconscious or uh, paralyzed? All right. I will give it to you. Okay. Well, See, well yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, I, I feel like I'm... Because like I feel like you could say a little bit more about it, but I think that that's close enough. You have the basic idea of it in your mind. Uh huh. Um, and it's a slow pellet projectile weapon. Ooh, okay, so pellet that I think yeah, is the biggest. That was thing the that big I did, one. The pellet that I did finally like agree on. I didn't go. I went ranged over melee. Okay, mm-hmm. throwing a poison or drug tipped dart. Okay, so it's a dart. Yes, Specific. it's a dart. Okay. And uh, effectiveness limited by variations in shield settings and relative motion between target and projectile. Mm, yeah, that does. Because uh, they... if it's going too fast, that shield's just going to stop. Well, it. no, more specifically, if they're running away from you or if they're running towards you. Oh, you have to change how. You probably can adjust the velocity of your projectile. Ah. And, you know, you're going to want to I want to s- do a bit more deep dive into shields at some point and sort of how that all functions and the tech I will it. be the first to admit that was a little bit sloppy rundown the first time we dipped into the Holtzman, uh, oh, like, planar effect uh, I was also very drunk when you told me, so a lot of it went by. All the more reason to cover that, it twice. That was the two-bottle episode. Okay. I'll try to get some a little more concise on shields. Okay. Uh, We'll we'll wait for the next time uh, someone turns one on. Okay, yeah, uh, they will for sure. Like, probably it, perfect. Yeah. Um. Okay. So <laughs> to, will, I'm gonna give you stunner. Thank you. But I want to know more about fan metal. Ooh, there. I want to get fan metal right to tip the tie. Okay. Fan metal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I want to guess. <laughs> you know what I want to say so bad. Um. Is it? Like a very thin metal <laughs> that is gonna be. I'm thinking like like leaf petal kind of plates that you would uh, maybe make like a thopter wing out of, and it's like a fan in that respect. And that that's the best I can give you. I right. re- I really don't think I know that one. Now I am impressed by your definition. And I'll tell you why here in a second. But uh, <sighs> I'm gonna say that you didn't get it. <laughs> I am not surprised because I. But uh, like, yeah, give me the definition. The definition for you, like, uh, yeah, like, give me embellishing. It is of. metal formed by the growing of jasmium crystals in duraluminum. Yeah, obvious. Obviously, um, noted for extreme tensile strength in relationship to weight. Uh, the name derives from its common use in collapsible structures that are opened by fanning them out. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, my God. And that is a thopter wing. Yeah. That is oh. exactly what that is. <laughs> is that where it uh. comes from? <laughs> that is the metal you would fan out. <laughs> that is exactly what that is. That is really cool, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love that. A little bit more info on what it is. Now, I had to look up a couple of things here because, like, I'm not very familiar with a lot of the alloys. Oh, did, so did you, okay, because is this in learning from plasteel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Duraluminum is a real thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't go by that name so much anymore. But uh, this is similar. Like, the plasteel, instead of that fiber they had, it was fiberglass in, like, the modern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, with this, I mean, the jasmine crystals is sort of the extra bit that makes this sort of sci-fi and, like, spacey. Space metal. Space metal. Um, but duraluminum is a real thing, and it's pretty much aluminum 
Uh, it's an aluminum alloy mixed with a tiny bit of copper. I think it is copper or bronze. And well, what, honestly, copper though. What is uh, what is that benefit? Give it. Um, you can make it. It makes it a lot stronger. It hardens it incredibly. So you basically you combine these uh, elements together. You make this alloy, and you just let it like set for a couple days, and it hardens over that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the one catch with it is it can oxidize really quickly as well, but. Uh, the unique property of that oh, is yeah, copper, especially. Yeah, is like, yeah. But the unique property of that is that it bonds incredibly well to a more aluminum. So what they do is they make uh, really thin sheets of it. And that's what you see on a lot of airplanes. OK. And it's so like is the aluminum the outermost layer yeah, to yeah, prevent yeah. oxidation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. And oh, they use it as wings, too. Yeah, because it's super strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is the modern one as flexible? I don't know if it's as flexible. As uh, the this fan like, metal would be, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently it's just it's much str- it's basically just a much stronger version of that. That's cool. I I like that. Um, I love how close, how immensely close I was to getting yeah. that, but it was too obvious to guess. <laughs> metal. He got stunner, and fans. that was up in the air too. That so was. Oh, I, I, it's a dangerous game today. Oh man. But as always, I walk away with a tie. <laughs> you couldn't take it home, though. Oh. You couldn't take it home. Oh eight, God. eight oh. now. This is, I, I'm loving how this game is oh, starting out. Man. Uh, it's been pretty intense. Yeah. If it ever does sway one way, I feel like it'll ruin it to some extent. <laughs> no, it just means I'm going to try so much harder. Right. Oh, I guess only one of us will enjoy doing the show right, anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done, Derek. I'm going to slam the door crying. <laughs> Just, now I'm left in your living room alone. <laughs> yeah, just we are at your house. <laughs> oh God. Well, I think Mike, that's all I got for this week. Well, well what Unless, about next week? What do we got then? You want a little? You want a little primer for next week? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Want little, you want to know where we're going? Yeah. You you've been is so it, offended it, by the lies I tell you. <laughs> do you really want to know? Well, <laughs> no. Uh, next week we are gonna we're gonna follow the lady Jessica, <laughs> and we're gonna see where she's running. We're going to get to a room because we love stopping in one room at a time. <laughs> and it's going to be one of those kind of chapters where uh, we're coming face to face with that man who's black and treachery yet again. Oh, Dr. Yui. Oh, mm. so he's in the middle of like a lesson with uh, Paul. No, no, we're going to we're, we're gonna meet him right at, there's only two people. Or gonna, maybe he's got a gun. Maybe Paul's dead. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I think, uh, as I mentioned, these red flags with you are popping up. Mm-hmm. How do you think he's going to fare under the scrutiny of a Bene Gesserit? He knows the Benny Gesserit. He does. He does so, have a little insight. We know he's got that thing from Juana. And you know how the Benny Gesserit are about teaching people around them. Right. I love giving out Benny Gesserit little pamphlets. I'm excited to see that. I want to know his thoughts during that meeting, actually. So, Ooh, it, it's going to be uh, his head, her head. Okay, of. that's going to be good. It's a really it fun just chat. And are like, huh, guys? He falls asleep. Oh, falls asleep. He's, yeah. Wait, Doctor, you was in a room with a sleeping Paul? We're not in the room with Paul. Nah, Paul. <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh, so Paul goes to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Let that one figure itself out. All right, out. all right. For now, I'm just, just going to have to read it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's, it's more helpful than me <laughs> uh, trying to describe it this far in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wow. So that was an awesome chapter. I'm excited for chapter eight. Um, gonna do it this week 
Does anyone have a question for us? Ooh, do you know a wine that we could afford that has a picture of a different bowl on a it? A different bowl? Oh, we're going to have to just do it by labels at this oh, point. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Uh, we need to put a little call out. We need worm wine. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. I don't think there's any labels with a worm I don't on think them. there's a big market. <laughs> I think there's one bottle out there with our name <laughs> on it. We'll go hunting. <laughs> we but uh, if, if anyone knows, go ahead and let us know on Instagram or Twitter at SpiceWorldPod. You can uh, reach out to us at email at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com and of course you can follow our uh, show notes as well as follow our episodes at spiceworldpod.com that's right and we'll come back and we can't wait to see you guys next week for chapter eight thank you derek thank, thank you, you everyone Mike. for listening uh, yeah it's a good one it was <laughs> a good one game was awesome but <laughs> until the next time the, the spice, spice must flow, Website started November 22nd, 1997, but it's broken because, of course, it is. How do you even find that? Like, uh, I end up in all kinds of wormholes. Um, if it's related to Dune, I will get to the bottom of the internet and find it. It's just the power of Google search engine to be like, these things are so archived that that one word finally flags it. No one's probably searched that in a decade. I bet an old server had to kick on just to load the page. I gotta crank it. Who's using this server? I'm sure you're the first person in several years. <laughs> Remember the uh, Kimmy Schmidt? Crank you for being a crank. <laughs> <laughs>